Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. This is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Sumner One. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Happy Friday Eve, everyone. Brooke Grimsley is here. Dan McLaughlin is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to see you, kids. How are we doing? I'm doing great. It's beautiful outside. If everybody will look outside. Well, look. if you're driving, please keep your eyes oh, on the you road. Can still look outside. But look outside. If right you're looking of you. outside and you're driving, you got a problem. Oh, that's true. I just didn't want them to have to look <laughs> yeah. the other way uh-huh. and look at the beautiful sky outside. It's like cotton candy skies. What's well, a beautiful thing? I'm off to a great start. I slipped in my uh, taking a shower, but. Oh. Unscathed, so I look at that as uh, you know a bonus. Did you curse when you no nope, no nope, you didn't nope. I, I I would curse if just I caught myself and then I lost some keys already this morning, but was able to recoup them. So I think I'm off to a you could look at it as a bad start, but I think it's off to a good start. Okay. No, no damage done. I got to show you guys something because I lost keys and I need to buy a new key fob. Do you know that the key fobs are outrageously expensive if you lose yes. one for your car? Yes, but they're outrageously worth it. Yeah, they are. So I get this thing, and I don't know if I've already showed this to you guys, but it's pretty cool when you lose your keys. My daughter lost her keys two weeks ago. We had to change all the locks on the doors. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's a whole process yes. every time that happens. Yeah. Don't know where it's going. Better change the you know, the locks on the doors. Yeah. that That is... Uh, did you get frustrated when she did that? I was. Yeah, I'm not going to lie about yeah. that. Randy, you were supposed to be prepared for the show. Instead, you're looking something up in the first minute. Uh, yeah, well, here's the thing. I got this key finder <laughs> deal. And it's a good thing. All you need to do is, like, uh, find your keys. Just press that button, find, and boom. Tells you oh. where they're at. Tells you where your keys are, yeah. It sounds like a Tamagotchi. Yeah, that's, that's, those are my keys. So all I have to do is press a button on my phone. It's called a tile from Amazon. And now, when I lose this set of keys, I'm going to be able to find them. The most amazing thing I have ever seen was working with Tim McCarver in Chicago. So we have a car waiting for us outside of Wrigley. We get back to the hotel. He says, I can't find my phone. I said, well, maybe he left it in the the car. So we call the driver. He said, nope, no phone in here. We go back to Wrigley. Okay. Uh We start walking. So he had uh, on his phone, find my iPhone on an iPad. We start walking around Wrigleyville. I show up at this place that's got keys and phones, thousands of them, <laughs> literally thousands of them. I call Tim's phone. We find it in a pile that's of phones. That's incredible. It was like the chances of that happening at like one in a million. Yeah. And we're in the middle of this place, Wrigleyville. Someone returned the phone to a lost phone area. 
call the phone, and it goes off, That's and great. we uh, we found his phone. You know, have wow. you ever read that book by John Feinstein uh, about Beth Page Black, the U.S. Open at the Beth, Beth, Beth yes, Page Yes, I Black. have. They used to not allow phones in there. So when they the first time they had the U.S. Open at Beth Page Black, all these people that were going to the U.S. Open didn't know that, and they'd taken public transportation to get there. They dumped their phones right next to a bush, and then they pick another phone up when they're leaving and wait for their phone yep. to ring, and that's how they found them. Have you played what? Beth Page Black? No, I don't think that I would played it that. right after the uh, tournament. Uh-huh. We were able to get on, and so crazy. You show up at the parking lot, and there are people ready to caddy for you because technically it's a public, public place. Yeah. So there's just people sitting there waiting to not... And here's the thing, not professional caddies. Uh-huh, right, just ready to caddy for you. Yeah, this is like, you know, Happy Gilmore waiting to caddy <laughs> off. You know, right, yeah. One of those guys ready to just carry your bag and away you go. That's what BT always talked about Vegas, and I know in Phoenix, they uh, there are workers that will work on your house that just wait at the Home Depot parking lot. And you just go out hey. and get a couple of workers, and, and they'll do the thing. And there it works. But, uh yeah, I mean, let me fix my camera here. I don't know how my camera moved, but it did. If you want to watch us on the uh, line uh, on the old YouTube, you can. It's the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam on YouTube. Just go to 101 ESPN STL. But yes, uh, Brooke, people just did leave their phones there. Isn't that amazing? And then they would get them on the way out in a very creative manner. Now, I'm guessing this is like when you, you had the Nokias. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, this about? is back in the this day. Is, okay, because yeah. iPhones, those are harder to part with. I don't know if anybody would feel comfortable just dumping well, them. But the thing is, everybody had them. You know, yeah. it's, everybody has the same phone. That's I, true. I didn't know if you were shocked that people were leaving their phones by a bush or that I read a book. <laughs> <laughs> the bush. The bush, Randy. Okay. I know that you read books. Party, Randy. Thank you. Yeah, that's one. Yeah. So I, I joke, because I, I'm on the President's Council, Lindenwood, uh, John Porter, the great president of Lindenwood <laughs> You're University. You're a Hall of Famer, too. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Congratulations. Dan, Dan got me in. So anyway, I'm on this uh, LUPC, and they have meetings in their new library. And the first time I was ever in a meeting for the President's Council, I told everybody, and they thought I was joking, and I wasn't, that it was the first time I'd ever been in a library at Lindenwood. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? It was true. It was true. <laughs> I have to disagree with you. What? I'm sorry, but you got you in. I just nominated you oh, and well. made the form and told you told them how great you are, and then they were like, yeah, that's a slam dunk. Let's get them in. You're the best. You did you. it, buddy. I appreciate that's that. That's all you. Yeah. Well, it's, it's very nice of you. We do uh, want to talk some sports, but it's kind of like the pandemic right now. Just let uh, it rip. Yeah, the Blues aren't playing. The Cardinals aren't playing. We don't have a football team playing. This is the week before Super Bowl week, so there's nothing going on there. Mizzou's basketball team sucks. St. Louis, <laughs> they still haven't won in the SEC. They lost to Arkansas last night. Kind of scuffling over at St. Louis. Yeah, we'll say they suck. Okay, they've lost 8-9. So uh, we can talk a little coaching news. There was another coach hiring, second-last coach hiring yesterday in the NFL, Mike McDonald. M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. McDonald. Yeah. yeah. Defensive coordinator of the Ravens goes to Seattle to be their new head coach and said, we want to have fun, which is good. I like coaches where when they walk through the door, they say, we want to have fun. It should be that way. He's only 36. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're seeing a trend now. I think that college coaches want out of college mm-hmm. big time because they don't want to deal with all the minutia that goes into being a college football coach. And we're seeing these guys jump for going from head coach to a coordinator. You look yeah. at that as a step down, but you're going to the pro game. This guy's 36, youngest in the NFL. And to think that a few years ago he was a quality control coach. Yeah. That's how quickly these guys yeah. move up the ranks. And spent a year as Jim Harbaugh's defensive coordinator at Michigan before moving over to John's Ravens team. And they didn't get the Super Bowl that they wanted, but he's a very bright mind. And if I were ever interviewing a head coach or a manager, 
I would want somebody that had CEO ability. Dick Vermeil said a really poignant thing when he was hired and gave his 35-minute speech when he became the head coach of the St. Louis Rams. He said, I'm here to coach the coaches. That's what you do. You set a philosophy. You coach your coaches as to what you want from them, and then let them do their job. How much do you think, though, that his success again? Well, so here he is. The, he's the Ravens defense played the NFC West this past season. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at what he did. They were 4-0, beating the Seahawks, Rams, 49ers, and Cardinals. They forced nine turnovers in those games. Now he gets them twice a year. I do wonder if that was part of, man, this guy made an impression. We got to go get him. That makes sense, yeah. It does. I think that that's a big part of it. And that's what you're seeing now, Dan, as you mentioned, just that youth movement. And now, supposedly, the Cowboys are going to be hiring. I mean, not the Cowboys will be hiring, but Cowboys defensive coordinator Dan Quinn will be going over to the Commanders. Well, that would be a good hire. I mean, the guy did coach in a Super Bowl, so he was a head coach of the Falcons. Granted, they blew a twenty-eight to three. Say he blew a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, but I, I would argue that if you tell me that I have a head coach that could get me to the Super Bowl every year, and I don't know whether I'm going to win or lose, give me him. I'll take it. Yeah. Well, you're getting that with San Francisco. You're getting that with Andy Reid. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Hey, you need to. uh, You guys need to answer a question for me. All right. Steve Spagnola, why isn't he mentioned as a head coach anymore in, in these conversations with all these different coordinators, all these young guys, and maybe he doesn't want it, but why is he not mentioned with the head coaching openings that you have in the NFL? So let me start with this. I was actually texting with Spags the other night, and he's very excited, very humble, and says he still misses St. Louis, loves our town, and uh, he said he'll have a good plan for her. San Francisco. Mm. But the reason I think, Dan, is we're talking about 36-year-old Mike McDonald. Yeah. Spags is 64. And this is a young man's game. Remember the old line from Brian Billick? Uh, uh, owners are looking for younger and cheaper coaches, and I'm neither. And that's where Spags is right now. He's making a ton of money as a defensive coordinator in Kansas City. He knows he knows he's going to win every year. His history, by the way, he, he's got, I think, the, the second lowest or yeah for a Coach that didn't own the team, I think he's got the second lowest winning percentage of any coach in the history of the league. Wow. So he's probably not looked upon fondly despite his that low, success huh? as a defensive coordinator or yeah, despite his success as a defensive coordinator by NFL owners. Yeah, it's uh, so his that lack of success I think probably is hard to sell to an owner and by extension a fan base. That's hmm. what I think that it is too. And maybe he also just likes where he's at right now. Eric Bieniemy is another name that we've talked about that you're surprised that you're not seeing him being brought up. I think that he did do maybe at least a mm-hmm. couple of interviews during this whole process, but it seems like a lot of teams, don't you guys think, they're trying to just strike gold and maybe find their next Sean McVay? There's the name. Yeah, everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay on offense or defense. That's what they want. Copycat league, and (laughs) you're going to get that. The Seahawks were 25th in points against last year. So they get a defensive-minded coach. They get a guy that's 36, so you're on the McVay trail. He's one of the youngest. No, he's the youngest now head coach in the NFL, and that's the direction that they go. Yeah, so let me get you the uh, winning percentage in the history of the National Football League. And obviously, I'm... I like Speggs a lot. He's Speggs is, uh, and a lot of people at Rams Park they, that worked for him, they were not huge fans. But uh, was he uh, controlling? I could see um, where he'd be really controlling over every single aspect. And when yes. you say CEO, yeah, you delegate over over controlling. But has a heart of gold. Danny, you were one of the people that uh, heck, it was twelve years ago. Right now, you visited me in the hospital when I had my heart issue. Here's a guy that uh, 
you know, he's got things to do. They're getting ready for the draft and everything. And Spags comes and visits me in the hospital. Oh, that's just, great. Just a, just a really good human being. You never told me that. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, just a, a really good human. Now, that being said, okay, Burt Bell, <laughs> owner of the Eagles and head coach of the Eagles, a 179 career winning percentage. Uh, Hugh Jackson, we all remember him, Raiders mm-hmm. and then Browns, uh, a 205 winning percentage, third lowest, 199th highest in the history of the NFL, Spags at 212 with a record of 11 and 41. And that includes a stint as an interim with the Giants, too. So not a lot is going on right now. The 217 says, let's talk pickleball. Oh, oh. we've got a pro pickleball team here in St. Louis, yes, we right? Do. We do. Shafitz. We really do. And, and good. Yes, and also I enjoy pickleball, so I would love yeah. to talk pickleball. Yeah. If we ever want to play. pickleball. I Matthew? love pickleball. It's so much fun. Uh, there's actually a merger coming to the league for oh, really? uh, that, that the uh, Shavits have their team in, and it's actually supposed to be big things for the league. Apparently, it's like most mergers, it's supposed to kind of raise, raise the... Uh, the tide for all the buzz, I'm in. I, I want to do play by play. Go for it, Randy. You do you should. know anything about it? Nope. Nope. <laughs> but you one, can learn. One year, though, you'll appreciate this. One year, I got hired to do the Missouri State Water Polo Championships on TV. Oh. I had never seen a water polo match in person <laughs> in my life, but it was really fun to do, and I was told I did a good job. I did high school volleyball, mm-hmm. and I did high school wrestling. That's awesome. See, that's we, great. Wrestling must be really hard. Ooh. It was kind of hard. Yeah. It was kind of on the radio, too. That oh. that makes it really <laughs> tough. <laughs> if you don't know the moves, it's a yeah. little tough. Volleyball so, is hard, too. I did play-by-play for volleyball in college, uh-huh. and you think, oh, this will be easy, but then it just happens. Everything moves so, so fast, quickly, yeah. and when I first did it, I was like, I got to tell everything that's happened. They're like, ah, you don't yeah. have to do every little you know moment that's happening there, yeah. but pickleball, you guys need to go out play dan have you played before i have not um i just i have friends that play and they're addicted to it they say it is the most fun that they have you can go out with your wife you can go out with your kids Mm -hmm. they love playing it i have a friend that spent like 250 bucks on a racket he, so he got a racket, like uh, like a paddle. A, that is a racket, paddle, paddle. Yeah, yeah. I Whatever was like, it a, pa- <laughs> it's a paddle. So, so he's uh, he gets his first one, and it's what thirty five bucks or something. And then he gets into it and mm-hmm. buys like the two hundred and fifty dollar paddle. Yes, I think. And he said I, he was a different he player the next time he played because he had the the better paddle. He said everybody's saying, "Why are you playing so well?" He said, "Well, this." So apparently, there is a difference in the quality of the paddle that allows you to become a better player. I, I guess. I, I think that I just started, Dan, so I do have to throw this out there. I just started, but I'm already addicted. Former tennis player, so it's a somewhat of an easy transition, but I told Randy the first day that I played I had Phantom Racket, where I was used to the length of a tennis racket, and I was ready to just go and you know do my forehand, and then the rest of the racket was not there. The rest of the paddle wasn't there, but there is a lot of people, and they were talking to me about this. They were like, you gotta get this one. You gotta get that one. I'm like, wait, how much is it for that? For like this giant ping pong paddle? It's going to cost $200? Uh, I'm going to stick with dis- this one yeah, that I got from Walmart. In me, Brooke, Why? Because I was decluttering the house uh, last weekend and every single tennis racket in the house went to Goodwill. Every one of we them. We have no tennis rackets left. Well, I mean, if you if you ever want to get back into it, tennis rackets aren't that expensive. You can find and them at Goodwill. Maybe. <laughs> and maybe, find Randy's. And maybe somebody will pick it up and want to play tennis. There. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully I change somebody's life. The 573 says, talk Battlehawks. I think A.J. McCarron says he wants to come back to St. Louis. But he, the union, right? The union mm-hmm. situation is one that is somewhat untenable for him right now. So things are going to have to change. And they start so late now, on March 30th rather than in February. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see how the Battlehawks put things together. But uh, Coach 
says they're going to be fine at the quarterback position. Good. I'm just ready to have some football coming back here. I wish that there was a little bit. I'm very excited about the merger and for the Battlehawks coming back. But don't you guys kind of wish there was some more information coming back? Because they should be playing soon, right? March 30th. March 30th. They're starting yeah, way late. very soon. Well, yeah, so. a couple months. Today's well, maybe, the 1st of February. Yeah. February and March. Do any of these NFL coaches that didn't get a job, do they go possibly the XFL? No. I know that all of those jobs are filled. They'll wind up on staff. What about Mike Vrabel? What happened to Mike Vrabel in this whole process? Because, guys, as a Titans fan, saw all those you know tweets that everybody put out and reports that the Titans would be sorry and that he'd be hired quickly after leaving Tennessee. And what happened? Brooke, you were up early today and sent me a quote from Tom Brady's dad. And we know that Mike Vrabel is a Bill Belichick disciple. And Tom Brady's dad said this about BB. He said, he runs a military system. It's a different generation. Bill is a great, great, great coach, but his interpersonal skills are horrible. (laughs) That's Tom Brady Sr. That's shocking. Yeah. Is it though? No. Okay. (laughs) Maybe Rabel coaches that way too. Maybe that's what has affected him. Well, I think also a big part of it too that's being kind of left out in a lot of those discussions is the way that he hired his staff. And that's something that I'm sure a lot of these teams are looking at is what type of staff that you would assemble. And that was part of another reason of some of his issues with Tennessee. (laughs) Jeff Fisher hired a rock star staff here, paid his buddies a bunch of money uh, just to get a team ready to leave. What is Jeff Fisher doing now? Is he doing some television? He's in Nicheville, right? I don't Is think he? he's doing TV. He wasn't very good on TV. So that's it. I think he's, well, He they set him up for life when he, he was, oh, yeah. I think he got 42 million bucks to get this team out of town, get the Rams out of town. So It was worth there. it for him. Yeah, it hmm. was, yeah. Although it kind of, well, not that his career was that great, but it kind of ruined his legacy, sure. which is fine. He's tied for the league lead in history in losses, which is good. You know, it's he's got that record going for him, which is nice. <laughs> We're off and running on we the morning are. drive. We are on uh, the the opening drive. Coming up, we've got sick of it. Now, you might have heard on the show before ours, they have over it. Not a coincidence that Michelle Smallman is on that show. Michelle Smallman came up with sick of it. And I'm sure that Michelle Smallman came up with over it. So uh, we, we didn't steal it from them. They stole it from us. It okay. just has a different name. We will tell you this, that... The segment later in the show, Take It or Leave It, was previously known in a different iteration on Sports <laughs> Center as Truth or Trash. So we stole something from ESPN don't, Big Two. Don't reveal the secrets, Randy. Okay. We, we're all coming up with original ideas here. Come on. Oh, yeah, we all. It's all original. Don't tell <laughs> so, me how you made the sausage. Just give me the sausage, Randy. There you go. <laughs> you can send us a text for what you're sick of, and all you need to do is text in to 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Kids. Oh, Yoho. Oh, that's it. That's that might my, be one. my new the favorite. One for the day. Different iterations <laughs> it of it. A, what's a temp- it. It is absolutely gorgeous in St. Louis this morning. And it's going to be, did you say 64, Brooke? 64 degrees today. Yeah. And in the sky is beautiful outside. Once again, eyes on the road. But you can yeah. still see the sky. Just don't get too distracted by its beauty. How yeah. about that? Oh, that's, that's good. I like that. Okay, I don't know why I can't find what the weather's going to be here today. But yeah, 64. 60, 64, beautiful. All right. Uh, sick of it. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
All right, what are you sick of? Send us a text. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, it's only been a day, but I'm sick of not having any sports to talk about. We got no blues. We've got no Cardinals at the moment. We've got no football because Super Bowl week is next week. Uh, the basketball, probably not something that you really want to talk about. Uh, the pickleball, we already covered. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 Battle Hawks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sick of not having any sports. Uh, I feel like we're in the pandemic again. Oh, don't say that. Kind of, that well, those were uh, oh, scary, yeah. scary times. Those when you look days. back was, at sports during that time, there was mm-hmm. none. It was weird. That's what but you even when it came about, back. We talked about uh, Last Dance. A lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about old-timey Cardinals. Uh, we got a lot of material in there. I, I, it'd be interesting to go back and look at our our show plans. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Was, uh, we, we talked about... 12 segments a day. We got Teoli in. That was good. On a national stage, you could watch college basketball. There's some good teams to watch outside of the state of Missouri. Mm -hmm. That's true. Missouri-based teams are now 12-39 and in league play. SLU and Mizzou are 1-15 in league play. Oh, Uh, man. What do you think of that record? I I am a little surprised. I thought Missouri was going to be better. I thought SLU would be slightly better. I'm not as surprised with them. I just... I think there's light at the end of the tunnel for Mizzou with what they have coming in yeah. next year. I just don't see that with SLU right there's now. Light at the end of the tunnel for SLU, but it's a train coming. They've got 10 games left, and they're all games that they could lose. Yeah, that's, that's what's not good right now. With Dennis, Dennis Gates, too, I do believe that there's a lot more upside just because this is the beginning, and this is, this is a year that I think you can give him a mulligan, oh, right? He'll open the gates to a championship, Brooke. It's just the transfer portal didn't work out for him. That's what's kind of right. subtri- surprising to me. Yeah. It, that line just went right over your head. It was a beautiful oh, line. Oh, yeah, it was. No, you just I, ignored I heard it. it. I, I heard it, Randy. I, I heard it. it. <laughs> we, we were both ignoring it on this side. <laughs> Dan, why don't you go? All right, sick of uh, reading or watching what a kid did in a baseball showcase. I was scrolling through social media yesterday, and this coach was just – Uh, talking about how great this kid is, and he throws 98 miles an hour, can run like the wind. However, I bet he can't hit, doesn't know how to hit the cutoff, can't bunt, can't hit behind the runner, can't go first to third, and I can't win with him. Doesn't know how to play the game. Mm-hmm. These showcases are great for the individual, and they, they, you know, they're great in terms of just seeing some raw talent. But do they know how to play the game? And the answer is no. I was talking to Ali about that because if you draft a high school player, you you have to teach him how to play at the professional level. Oh yeah, they, they don't, don't know how they when they get to the professional level, they have no idea no. how to play the game. Matt Holiday was on a podcast. Remember that pod- he was on with yeah. John Sherman and Joel John Heyman and Joel Sherman last mm-hmm. year was talking about how he was at a showcase and a pitcher fielded a ground ball, threw the ball ten feet over the first baseman's head, and nobody cared because he threw it 105 miles <laughs> <Right>. an hour. <laughs> we got an arm; we can do something with that. And what is that teach? the kids too well showcase doesn't teach them anything it's just showing off your raw ability and all of a sudden they they put them in a game they don't know how to play the game well that's what i'm saying though is that instead of just focusing on some of the fundamentals which are not as exciting a little bit more daunting but still having that structure is the foundation of what you need to do in general for the team sport yeah in a showcase you just don't do it yeah you're just there to show off what you can do with running throwing and how your launch angle when you're at when you're at the plate what about bunting dan is there a bunting aspect to the showcase no and i mentioned that although how much bunting is in the game today the game has changed where you just don't see a lot of bunting anyway and it's gotten to where these guys do throw so hard 
with great sync, so it is harder to bunt. But they're not; they're just not asked to bunt yeah. gr- growing up anyway. Right, right. I want a bunting competition like the KBO has. Have you guys seen that when they do yeah. that? Yeah, and they, they, the Cardinals actually do a, a competition in spring training, a bunting competition. And pitchers were asked to bunt, but now you have the DH, so yep. it's out of the game. Back yeah. in my day, Whitey Herzog said, "If you can't bunt, you can't make my team." Yeah, mm. move Jack runners Clark. up. Jack Clark could bunt something that you should do. Yeah. Well, guys, this is what I'm sick of. I made the grave mistake this past weekend of waiting until the weekend to do a lot of my grocery shopping and shopping in general. I need to go to PetSmart. I need to go grocery shopping. I needed to pick up a birthday gift and a birthday card. So I went over to the Holy Trinity that is Trader Joe's, PetSmart, and Target. And that was a big mistake this to do this past Heights. weekend. Yes, okay. over there in that Brentwood area. You guys have seen it. It is pure madness, even when it's not the weekend. But I made that mistake. So what I'm sick of, though, is sometimes when you go into stores, have you guys noticed now that people get pretty aggressive on the aisles? It's like everybody, you know, has I, I understand that there's a lot of things going on and that you want to get in and out. I get that. But people are so intense now in aggressive. stores. E-E-E-Aggressive. And it's not just E-E-E-R-E-S-I-V-E. a weekend. <laughs> but it's not even just a weekend thing in general. Do you experience that sometimes in grocery stores where people will knock your cart, different things like that? We have to watch out for aisle rage. We talk about road rage. What about aisle rage now? It is totally a thing. It's like Demolition Derby. It's unbelievable how everybody, like the cars at Six Flags, you know, when you get into the little uh, running into each other cars, it's, it's, it's the exact same thing. It's terrible out there. Now, Brooke, you could avoid it with Instacart. Oh, oh. I could. I guess I could, but have you guys used it and sometimes when they can't find the item or it's out of stock, then they pick something random that isn't exactly as close to what you wanted? Yeah. Now, here's the great thing about where you go is that if you get your cart run into at Trader Joe's, at PetSmart, at Target, you can feel better just by going, as long as you don't go on Sunday, to the Chick-fil-A over there where they're extremely friendly and they'll just allow you to smell the flowers or smell the can, smell the flowers, blow out the candles, yeah. And you can just relax with a beautiful number one from... Smell the chicken. Yeah, it's delicious. Inhale the fries. The, Is that uh, what you're saying? Yeah, the the Creve Core <laughs> location that Dan drives past every single morning is going to open soon. Mm. The, uh, the Chick-fil-A? Mm-hmm. What do you think that's going to do for traffic? I don't care. As long as they have good... <laughs> as long as they got Chick-fil-A, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're in. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, Matthew, what do we got on the text line there? All right, we got the text line. We do have the text line, and we're going to find out what's on it. Of the phrase "World Series," apparently being allergic to the Cardinals front office. Oh, I don't think they're allergic to it. They see that. Oh, Madolis Garcia played in the World Series. Randy Rosarena was an MVP in the or almost MVP in the World Series. What would you do, Randy, if Sonny Gray is Game One pitcher in the World Series? I would freak out. I would say, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> That's like Randy's worst nightmare. No, I would love it. I would If he is better than he's ever been in his career at the age of 34, I will love it. Uh, I, I will think, man, we've gotten back to an era of 2000, 2002, 2003 that I didn't think was possible. I would love it if at the age of 34 he could do something that he's never done before. You said what? Top three is Cy Young last year? Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 87 okay. win team. And uh, is the... His he made thirty two starts, team went fourteen and eighteen in his starts. He was really good though. He he had a low ERA. Uh, obviously, when he allowed runs, it wasn't at a very timely time in the game. But yeah, I, I would love to see him become what Chris Carpenter was when he was here. Okay, March of twenty two, Ali Marmol said it, and, and well, they had a good season that year, but it didn't really do a lot for him. So yeah. 
Why, why say it? Uh, sick of it. I'm sick of idiotic drivers. No one seems to understand that if you're trying to merge into a lane while traffic is high and a car slows down and flashes their headlights, they are trying to let you merge. Yep. Ten-mile trip on Hampton at 5 p.m. the other day, and I tried to allow three cars to merge or turn, and they stayed where they were every single time. Idiots. Idiots. Hate that. that. You hit that perfectly. He's right though. People don't know. How, people people are bad at merging on the highway in St. Louis, but people are really bad at merging on major roads in St. Louis. Like the rules are, are relatively the same. I'm trying to like let you get the spot. Mm-hmm. Let's 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 figure this out together without causing a traffic jam. I don't. Understand it feels it. almost like an Olympic sport at this point. Merging. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it kind of plays yeah, into what I was talking fun. about. It's like I I feel like some people feel like, hey, I've earned this lane. I'm not going to let you come over yeah. here. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Yeah, they, yeah. Everybody's going for the gold. They are. Yeah. Kevin on the YouTube channel says, uh, try being the one that's the checkout guy at these stores. Oh, to your point, I feel Brad. so sorry. I think about that. And I try to be as nice as possible and helpful because I can only imagine customer service right now, what that is like. This is from the uh, 618. They say, there is a state across the river with a team ranked number 14. Lots of listeners over here, too. Good point. Oh, yeah. ILO. I and I. Yeah. They're, they're playing good. All right, Matthew, we got one more. <laughs> Just me and Ray were talking about that before the show. I'm, I'm sick of trying to buy a first house. This is ridiculous, and closing is way too expensive. Yeah, oh, it's, it is. It, the market is not very friendly right now. Oh, I disagree. You got to go to Stewie. She's American <laughs> for the bagel loan. Yeah, yeah. What a, what a I love the bagel loan. Oh, yeah. So uh, you can call him directly on his personal <laughs> cell phone. 314-324-4440. 314-324-4440. Or you can Google the bagel loan. That's Stewie from uh, Stewart's American Mortgage. Well done, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Thank you very much for the text as well. Coming up, we're going to talk some ball with our buddy Greg Amsinger of MLB Network. He is next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. From Crimsley, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You probably saw the troubling story in Wichita in which a statue of Jackie Robinson was cut off at the ankles. And then subsequently we found out that the statue was thrown in a dumpster and burned. Well, yesterday, the man who was in charge of the park and the Jackie Robinson statue, Bob Lutz, announced that Major League Baseball and the 30 teams are going to contribute to replace the Jackie Robinson statue in Wichita. And a lot of times when you work for somebody, there are times where you don't feel great about it. But I would think Greg Amzinger, who works for MLB and MLB Network, feels great about this, that the Jackie Robinson statue is going to be replaced by his employers. And 
Greg joins us now here on 101 ESPN. Greg, that must be a, a great feeling, and I think that's something probably as you walk through the halls, you can kind of puff out your chest with uh, MLB as your employer, knowing that they did the right thing and a great thing. Yeah, I got I got to commend uh, the commissioner's office on this one, Randy. I, I completely agree with you. There are moments when, obviously, uh, it's hard to always take the company line uh, because well, it's a business. It is what it is. And, uh, you know, the collective bargaining agreement was a very sticky situation uh, to be on television during that time um, because you it, it makes sense on both sides of the argument. But in something like this where you're making a, a horrible wrong right again um, and, and, and really like planting a flag in the ground saying we stand for something great, uh, very proud, no doubt. Major League Baseball doing the right thing here, and it didn't take a long time for them to come up to this decision. It's a great, great move. All right. I, I want to ask you about the whole A's situation because Jeff Passan and Ken Rosenthal are questioning whether it's even going to happen now. Not whether it's going to work, but whether it's going to happen. What's your latest read on the A's to Vegas? Yeah, I think talking about the commissioner's office, they're all in on Las Vegas. All in. And after going... Uh, hosting the all MLB show in Vegas, which ended up being a great event. And we're we're going to be back in Vegas a lot. That relationship in terms of Major League Baseball wanting to flourish in that city, in that market, which is growing as it stands right now. It's actually, it would be the smallest market in baseball, television market. I think it's number 40 to be behind Milwaukee. Uh, I, I think they're committed. And once you get the commissioner's office committed on something, um, full speed ahead. It's not it, to me. It's not going backwards. I understand that the Oakland A's or the Athletics. What they don't want to do is a slow roll a debut in Vegas, which means they only want to play baseball in their brand new retractable roof stadium, state of the art. Right? They don't want to go there and play a game in Vegas until it's this grand opening. Well, what happens between then and now? I, it's going to be weird and maybe we've never seen it before where they move and bounce around different cities and call it home. So if major league baseball says, you know what, actually this isn't the right move. Just go to Vegas and play in a facility in Vegas now. And you're the Vegas A's sooner than you want to be. That might be what ends up happening here. But I, and I don't see any other way that the Las Vegas athletics aren't a reality. Well, Greg, speaking of changes coming in Major League Baseball, obviously the Angeles family is selling the Orioles for over a billion dollars to private equity moguls. What was your reaction to that move? Because it really seems like there's just been a lot of frustration from Orioles fans because they haven't really spent a lot of money to improve the team. Yeah, and more importantly, Brooke, it's the it's the area around the ballpark. It's a crown jewel ballpark, Camden Yards. It just is. But when you go to other big league cities, and you, I mean, Cardinals are a perfect example. I mean, what's going around St. Louis and Bush Stadium is beautiful. I mean, you can go, and there are a lot of people that go down there for games don't go to the ballpark because it's so much fun to be in Cardinal Village. So I, I think that's what they're looking for. And the Angeles family never committed to the neighborhood around the ballpark. So it, it is affected attendance. This is a team that was incredibly good last year. They're going to be a dominant force in American League for years to come. I don't ever expect them, unless things change around that ballpark, to be a top 10 attendance team. I don't see that happening. They won 120 games. They will not be in the top 10 in attendance. And that isn't right. It shouldn't be the case. So to see Cal Ripken's name attached to this ownership group 
is going to give Oriole fans a peace of mind, even though they, they just signed a lease to stay at Camden Yards. Any lease can be broken. But it's going to give them peace of mind that the Orioles will, A, stay in Baltimore, and B, get an excitement because it, it's something that Cal's dreamt of. He's always rooted for Baltimore to be a terrific baseball city. It was when he played there, but things have gone downhill in terms of all the establishments around that ballpark. If the team's going to be good for years to come, why not give the patrons more opportunities to spend money around the ballpark where they're going to witness winning? So I think this new ownership group's a great move for the Orioles. Great for the city of Baltimore, and you're going to see that product continue to trend the right direction. Spring training right around the corner. Greg, who are some of the names that have surprised you that are uh, still on the board that are free agents? Man, Ryan Stanek. I I love Ryan Stanek. St. Louis kid. The second he hit free agency, knowing the Cardinals were going to need relievers, I thought for sure he'd be a target. Now, his ERA went up. He was over four last year. His K per nine fluctuates. It does. But I just like the gamer in him, man. A former University of Arkansas SEC pitcher. Big dude. Fearless. Bounces off the mound. He feels his position pretty well. And he's been in big games. I like a guy that will take on any role. If you remember, he flourished with Tampa Bay as an opener. Where that was not a thing. He was kind of like the first opener. He'll take the ball wherever and whatever. And his former teammate, Phil Maton, I'm surprised that he is still out there. Over 60 appearances his last two years. Um, I love him. Uh, Caper 9, over 10. And Keenan Middleton, one of these three guys. And Middleton looked really good, by the way, when he was traded over to the New York Yankees. Yeah, right under two. They're all established relievers. And one of these three guys will be the St. Louis Cardinal. I'm telling you right now, Stanek, Middleton, Maton. One of those three will be a Cardinal. And I have a new theme this year. I am betting and putting all my money. I shouldn't use the word betting. Major League Baseball won't like that. But I, I am supporting any former Chicago White Sox. That environment was so bad last year. And Keenan Middleton got traded to the Yankees and sort of exposed it, how bad it was. All of these guys need a change of scenery. So I would bank on Tim Anderson having a bounce back year. I would fully support trading for Dylan Cease. I think he's the 2022 Dylan Cease, not the 2023. I would go I – would, I would trade the farm away for Luis Robert, who still – had a great year despite being in such a horrible playing environment. When the environment's so bad in Chicago, the play-by-play guy leaves to go take the job of the Detroit Tigers. That's when you know. That's when you know. And I, I, I'm a big Keenan Middleton fan. I Again, one of those three guys will be a Cardinal. Hey, Greg, you mentioned the name of Dylan Cease, and I have been a big proponent and am a big proponent of Dylan Cease. That being said, he had in Major League Baseball last year one of the worst uh, whips. He he allowed a ton of hits. What happened to Dylan Cease last year? What happened to everyone else on the Chicago White Sox roster? They were so dismayed at what the environment was. They weren't listening to anyone. They shut down. They stopped listening. They didn't didn't want any help from that group. And when I asked all my pitching friends, Jake Peavy pointed out that you know, his slider became even more slurvy, more sweepery, I guess is the word now. Um, and, And guys can pick it up quicker. So they don't swing at it. They weren't swinging at it. He couldn't get, he couldn't get the chase that he got with his slider in 2022, which was arguably the most dominant pitch in baseball in 2022. So it's really, um, it's a game of chess. 
and he's playing it incorrectly. You get him to the right team, his spin rate is every bit as good as it was. Uh, Below is every bit as good as it was. He's still throwing the ball from his right ear, which has got some deception to it. Short arm uh, righty. I, I I would back up the truck for this guy. I, I think he's the 2022 star Cy Young contender, and he's going to strike a ton of people out. Even with his his whip and his ERA over four, he still had a lot of strikeouts. So he wasn't getting the chase, but he was still overpowering players. I think he gets in the right lab, the right pitching lab, with the right group. And, oh, my goodness, this guy. I think the sky's the limit. I, I'm not buying the 2023 numbers for just about any of the Chicago White Sox. That's how bad that environment was. Do you think Sergio Romo is bummed out that he didn't claim the name Sweeper? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Poor guy. I don't know if anybody's ever said I feel bad for Sergio Romo before. But, um, look, hey, if you could do something that Mariano Rivera was able to perfect, and that's walk into a big league game in the big leagues with the best hitters in the world and throw one pitch, and everyone knows you're throwing yeah. one pitch. <laughs> unless, unless, unless you're Miguel Cabrera and there's two outs in the World Series, and then he throws a, a fastball for the first time in two years, and it locks you up for the final out, and he ends the World Series. Sergio Romo had a great run, man, throwing the same pitch over and over again. But, yeah, I agree with you, man. Sonny Gray needs to send him something. He needs a gift basket. <laughs> Sonny Gray needs to send Sergio Romo a gift basket. You know, Suter, Bruce Suter used to talk about how he threw an 87-mile-an-hour heater at the chest of Gorman Thomas to strike him out to end the 82 World Series. He threw, like, 14 pitches in that at bat, all splitters, and then uh, Gorman got, Thomas kept following him off, and finally he just threw a heater, took his chances, and Thomas couldn't believe it and struck out. I mean, it's a sign of, it was a sign of things to come. I mean, fastballs are going away. I mean, you're going to see high school kids that don't throw fastballs anymore. I mean, this is where we're going. I mean, kids don't. There are a lot of youngsters right now, and I know this because I'm friends with major league, four major league players who have sons in high school that are working so often on secondary pitches, they can't they have more control of their slider for a strike or a curveball for a strike than they're forcing fastball. And it's like Carlos Marmol. Remember him, the uh, closer of the Cubs? Mm-hmm. He couldn't throw his fastball for a strike, but he could throw a slider for a strike. You're going to see a lot of kids that get drafted that will not have one of the basic foundational aspects to pitching, which is fastball command. And that is mind-boggling. We still owe Carlos Marmol a, a fruit basket or something here <laughs> for 2011 for that game. Didn't he wild pitch the tying run home? And, uh, yes. Adron Chambers yes. scored, right? Yes. You had no idea what was coming out of that guy's hand. But on the, on the flip side, if you have a bat in your hand and you're facing Carlos Marmol, knowing that he has no idea where it's going, that could be a pretty uncomfortable situation, mm-hmm. too. So he had that on his side. He was effectively wild. Okay, uh, the big question here is uh, when does Greg Amsinger go to Arizona and does he bring his golf clubs with him? Oh, man, I, I literally was thinking about this this morning. We are changing the way we do our spring training coverage. Okay. And sort of because of me, because I complained about it so much. I complain a lot. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I, I, I do not stay in my own lane, and I try to, like, <laughs> act like I'm the executive producer all the time. And, and it's really annoying. I feel bad for all my bosses. I, I feel terrible for everybody at MLB Network. But I, I've been clamoring for instead of like sprinkling our spring training content within an hour of MLB tonight, why don't we do a 30 minute show of just each team? 
like while we're there, self-contained 30 minutes on each team. We're on board for that, but they're like, okay, Greg, you're doing all 15 teams in Arizona, and you good luck putting – you're going to produce all these 30-minute shows. So for me to get what I wanted, I literally have to – like I have to bring a piece of paper to Arizona. Oh, no. I have to actually like – I know, I know, I know. I, I have to time out a show, Randy. I feel like I have to – coordinate with the you know, PR people. I have to send emails. Like, I'm already regretting this. And I don't know if I can work all day, change into my golf clothes in the parking lot, go play golf until it gets dark, then go have a steak dinner, then pass out and do it over and over and over and over again this year. I, I don't know if I can do that. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah. If there's a will, there's you'll, a you'll way. You'll find a way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. maybe. Why do I just bring my work into the golf cart? I, that, that, I, maybe, uh, I don't know. Oh, I, there we I, go. I there we go. Think, do a show I, from a golf no, cart. Wait, but wait, I think you have to be a good golfer to be able to work while you play golf. If you're a terrible golfer like me, you're frustrated all the time. There's no way you can focus on work. That's a good point. So I, I don't think I'm good enough in golf yet to do this. Greg, 64 degrees and sunny in St. Louis this afternoon. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you to tee it up, man. You will get a photo, of my buddy. Is it the ground still wet and thawing out? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Every drive, every drive will plug. You will not be able to find your ball. You'll be driving over the ground. You won't be able to see it. Clean hey. in place, my man. It's, it works. Yeah, it's a rule. It's a rule. Uh, Greg, have a great day. We love you, man, and we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, you guys are the best. Take care. See you. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text in for Tioli, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Or take it or leave it. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final author. Take it or leave it. Every day after our show, we go into our office and we put together the next day's show. And yesterday we were talking, having an in-depth discussion about sports. And somehow it came up that I am addicted to these Edward Mark dark chocolate coconut almonds that are available at Costco. (laughs) And... uh, Matthew was saying that he doesn't like them. And I said, well, they're a superfood. And both Matthew and Brooke started laughing. So I said, hey, Google, are almonds a superfood? And Google said, yes, this satisfying nut truly deserves its superfood status. I moved on and said, hey, Google, is coconut a superfood? And Google came back and said, since coconut oil has a significant amount of fat, Springer adds that it will also help your body to, to absorb vitamins E and A, which are both antioxidants known to protect and restore skin. Coconut is indeed a superfood. So then I said, hey, Google, is dark chocolate a superfood? And the Google came back and said, dark chocolate absolutely is considered a superfood. Take it or leave it, I'm right that the best food in the world are these dark chocolate coconut almonds. I'm going to leave it because definitely not the best food in the world. And then also, Randy, you're leaving another part out of this story because what did you say about what happened when you ate a lot of those? 
What? I was super healthy? I was no. Super- <laughs> you, you told, I don't know what happened. You told us. What did you say, okay, Randy? Maybe they added a few pounds here or there, but still. <laughs> I think you look great, Randy. Thank you, Dan. No he was problem, saying, though. He was uh, saying a while ago yeah. it caused you to. Yeah. It's, I guess, you know. Everything in moderation. I mean, if you eat like a two pound steak for every meal, it's probably going to increase your cholesterol. But just take it or leave it. These Edward Mark dark chocolate coconut almonds are indeed a superfood because Google says so. I'm going to have to leave it. Oh, Google on, sometimes isn't always right. I'm going to take think, it. Really? Gonna, yeah, I'm going to take it. I don't like the coconut in them, but I do like it with it's the almond and the dark chocolate, a little salt to it, mm-hmm. a little sea salt with it. Pretty darn good. Coconut is. is a superfood for glowing skin. Now, Dan, do you buy into that this is a healthy treat or no. is it a sweet treat? It's a sweet treat. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's, you well, can convince yourself all you want, Randall. It's a sweet treat. Well, so are grapes, but they're still very healthy and delicious, just like dark chocolate covered oat coconut almonds. No. I'm just saying, yeah, they're they're delicious and they're great for you. They're, they're the ultimate superfood. <laughs> it's three superfoods in one. How many will you pound in a setting? That's a two-pound bag. In a setting? Yeah. Wow. What? Well, I'm, I'm old school, Dan. You know that. <laughs> Once you start, you can't stop? That's kind of like Pringles. Oh, Okay, can yeah. you guys do a, a, a large thing of Pringles in uh, a setting? Yeah, I could. I could do that. I, I'm just still stunned at a two-pound sit-down. <laughs> You remember the donut story. Makes me thrilled I'm not a toilet seat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we were talking about this because of Girl Scout cookies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Samoas. Those are really, really good. good. Now, I could do a whole thing of Girl Scout cookies for sure. Yeah. Not on purpose, but then you just get rolling and it's hard to stop. Especially if there's a game on and you're nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) There's no way to stop it. So take it or leave it, guys. I'm going to segue a little bit away from your superfood talk. How can you? I know, it's hard. Well, the (laughs) NHL has released the player assignments yesterday for the All-Star Skills Competition, and Robert Thomas is not listed for any of the competitions. We're not clapping for that, Randy. Take it or leave it. It's a huge miss on the NHL's part that they're not having him in the NHL passing challenge. Huge miss. He's the best passer in the league. And he's a hometown kid. Yeah, right. If you have hometown kids, they should be in some of these competitions. No doubt about it. Yeah. And And at least in in one competition. I'm surprised. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I feel like if you were going to have a representative from each team, I know that some have multiple, but still, I feel like they should all be in the competitions, right? Yeah. That's that's a big miss on the part of the National Hockey League. That's why it's a garage league. (laughs) Oh. We talk about it a lot, though, for being a garage league, yeah. Randy. Didn't, I it, didn't it, say that. That's you. Was it Mario that called it a garage league? Uh, it was uh, a top player. I do remember that. That's why it's a garage league. While you look it up, I'm moving on. Take okay. it or leave it. Netflix behind-the-scenes look at golf will feature Rory, JT, Ricky Fowler, Luke Donald, Zach Johnson. Take it or leave it. Major League Baseball needs to do this during spring training. Take it. Ooh, 100%. I want By the way, it. it was Mario Lemieux that said the NHL was a garage league. After he was getting hacked and yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> clutched and grabbed. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see a behind-the-scenes look on a veteran and then somebody that just maybe is on the cusp of making the team and what goes into it. I think it would be sensational. Yeah, but I, I just don't know. It's daily, which is different than golf, and it's different mm-hmm. than like the QB show on Netflix. So I understand that. 
but it still would be cool to see. I would love to see it. And was, baseball needs that. Yeah, yes, they, they do. do. Because you want the personalities to show more. There's a lot of great personalities out there. I don't know if they get showcased enough. But then also, I would love, I was actually talking to somebody about this yesterday, like a hard knocks version of the Cardinals and what they went through last season and even this season, mm-hmm. just to see behind the scenes how they're putting this back together so they don't repeat what happened right, last year. Right, so they get to 81 wins. Cardinals <laughs> a couple years ago were behind the scenes, not not a ton, but with pool holes and Yachty. Mm-hmm. There's some mm-hmm. really cool features that they did with that, too. Last Dance. Yeah. This kind of stuff. Some, yeah. yeah, it was a little bit of that. Uh, Matthew, what do, you got, what do you got on the old text line there, buddy? Take it or leave it. Blues have a player that is a finalist for a postseason award next season. Leave it. Not even next year? Not even next year. How oh about Jordan God. Bennington? No. This is next season? Uh, uh, no. No. There's just not one. I'm Bennington sorry. Bennington and Hofer could... Combined for the Jennings, right? yeah, that's okay. I was going to say the yeah. Jennings. Yeah, well, I, yeah. is the defense going to be good enough for them to? They got to have the best goals against. Blues have had a Jennings Award winner a few years Hullock ago. Hawk and Elliott. If yes, they really had a great defense. That one's just stats. I don't know if technically there's a finalist for it because it's not like a voted thing. It's just yeah. whoever finishes with the best stat. Yeah. So I don't know if there's technically a finalist for the Jennings trophies. Just I don't know. I cannot answer that question <laughs> on the th- spot. I don't think so. No, it's just the, the team, yeah. the pair of goalies it has, or the goalie, that has the best goals against. Take it or leave it. You're with Randy because you could gain weight if you ate enough kale. Take it. Moderation, baby. <laughs> I guess you could, but yeah. then how then much kale would bag. you have to eat? A bale of kale. <laughs> is that what <laughs> When you started saying Google all over the place, <laughs> you think you were setting off phones everywhere? Maybe. A texture yeah. was mad about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, take it or leave it. Jared Lorenzen told Patrick Mahomes, there's nothing wrong with having a dad bod as a quarterback. Totally take oh, it. Take take it. lefty, baby. Oh, Private oh, University in oh. Kentucky. The, the Pillsbury throw boy. The Pillsbury throw boy. Randy. But yeah. there aren't many guys with that body that have the Randy weight that he has on his rings. Oh, yes. That's right. And you his know. durability throughout the season. He's not going to be, I guess, skinny. I, the dad bod shame was very sad to see on You're social media. me Ben Roethlisberger's physique held him back. <laughs> Get out of here. Come on now. If anything, it made him last longer. Take it or leave uh, By it. the way, uh, other uh, RIP, Jared Lorenzen. And, yes, I uh, BBQ, a big, beautiful quarterback. <laughs> Battleship Lorenzen. <laughs> He ate me, which was a great one because he, he was ate playing. Me. At the, he's really good. Yeah, because he, uh, he uh, the hefty lefty. That's, that was my favorite one. It was awesome. J Load, uh, Jared. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Mobile, agile, hostile, and hungry. Uh, oh my God. Uh, yeah, quarter got back. Uh, the abominable throw man. Oh, throw this man. is right up your alley. In the round mound of touchdown. I still like Pillsbury Throw Boy. That's, really that's, good. that's, that's really a really, good. really good one. <laughs> I mean, these names are right up your alley. Oh, they're tremendous. You love this yeah, kind I, of stuff. You love are. The hefty Do you think that Tom Brady is like excited that maybe people will relax with his photo from the combine just a little yeah. bit? And now this is the one that people will bring up all the yeah. time yeah. with Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, uh, probably. You know, we'll have uh, Mark Bulger on the show next week. Bulger Brady, he was with Brady throughout the combine. So they were they were combine mates mm-hmm. because they were next to each other medically. Interesting. So he he was around for that photo when it was taken and seeing Skinny Tom and something like that. Bulger's photo was much better. Probably not. <laughs> oh, take it or leave it. No offense, I'm just saying. Take it or leave it. Alec Burleson is the Cardinals' opening day first baseman in 2026. Leave it. Leave it. Oh, I'm gonna have to leave that. I think they find a way yeah. to come together with Goldie, do a two-year extension, and he retires as a Cardinal. That would be my guess. That wouldn't bother me. And even if they move him to DH, I will not be at all bothered or heartbroken if if uh, J-Dub is playing first base. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I would. 
I want Goldie, even if he's not hitting, I want him to be defensively out there. He he saves you a lot of He'll runs defensively. Then, though. I don't care. You got to run to first base and catch the ball. Pick it. Well, come on, man. We'll see. It, uh, J- come on, man. J- having a six six two hundred and sixty pound first baseman. Woo. Man, that'd be fun. I I still think though Goldie at it plays defense at a high level. He's tremendous. He does. Yeah. I'm I'm excited about the year he's going to have. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your texts. We do appreciate them. Coming up, some interesting news from college football and why coaches aren't as happy as they used to be. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Green Bay Packers have hired Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley as their new defensive coordinator. There was a source that said to Pete Thamel of ESPN, quote, Halfley wants to go coach football again in a league that's all about football. College coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers from the portal. There's no time to coach football anymore. A lot of things that he went back to college for have disappeared. Now, you've had a couple of other people leave head coaching jobs in college football to become coordinators, both at Alabama, by the way. But it appears as if things are happening in college football that are causing coaches to want to get out of the mix. And a lot of that has to do with the transfer portal Mm -hmm. and NIL has a lot to do with that as well. On top of the NCAA, we talked about Tennessee and everything that's happening with them currently right now, but they're not the only school that has gone through this. Florida State as well. Florida also is being looked into by the NCAA. You have the NCAA trying to, I guess, show that they do still have some power and they're breathing down the necks of these universities. And if you're a college football coach, I know that they get paid a lot of money, so I'm sure we'll get text and say, well, they get paid a lot of money. This is what you deal with. But you're dealing with the transfer portal, young athletes, navigating all of that, navigating NIL, making sure that you're following every single step and every single rule with rules that are even very vague in a lot of ways. And you have the NCAA breathing down your neck at the exact same time. That's a lot to balance. And I can see why the NFL would be a lot more alluring. Can you imagine selling your soul to an 18-year-old and then having to re-recruit them at 21? Or 19. (laughs) Yeah, I... That would get old, man. I mean, that would just get old. I, I wouldn't want to do that either. Now, to your point, you get paid a lot of money to do it, but these college coaches, I mentioned it earlier, are taking lesser jobs to go to the NFL because yeah. they've had enough. If you're going to be dealing with pro football, and let's not fool ourselves, both levels are pro football, why not take the play, the job where if a guy's under contract, he has to stay and play for you? <laughs> yes. I, I look at it, too, that I wonder if you have to do something for the coaches. So... If the coaches leave, what does that mean for a player? Now, they have a chance to transfer, but mm-hmm. I, I get a kick out of these coaches complaining about re-recruiting kids. Hold on. You're getting recruited all the time, too. So right. she's <laughs> yeah. on the other foot here. Now, your brother went to BC, and we I don't know if it's changed, but BC is a different animal than most Right, because of the academics than, than most college football? It's still big-time college football. Yeah. You know, back in that day, they were going to bowl games. He played for Tom Coughlin. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was big-time football, man. And, and still, you may think it's lesser because it's not the SEC. It's not the Big 12. I understand that. But still, it is, it's a job. It mm-hmm. is big-time college football. 
and it's a lot of stress. And it's pretty much kind of like the wild, wild west right now. Would you guys agree with all of these different changes that are happening in college football? And it's interesting because reacting to that news that we're talking about with Boston College, Kirk Herbstreet has this take. And this is pretty lengthy, but I think it's very interesting what he says. And he put this on X. College football is in a current state we will be seeing more and more coaches heading to the NFL without boundaries and regulation that makes sense. Coaches that get real opportunities in the NFL will be gone. This trend will continue until there is a new governing body governing body and creates a CBA with a player's entity or union that would include issues like NIL, transfer portal, and eventually revenue sharing. The sport is spiraling out of control, as we know, and many of these coaches are not sticking around and waiting, just a new reality for the sport. I agree with him on the part, especially that it feels like we're going to get to a point where the players are going to need a union of some sorts. Right. And I know that this is weird because it's college, but you can't build a program anymore. And ultimately, it's going to affect the quality of the product. There are going to be some schools that are going to be haves and some that are have nots. It's really remarkable that Mizzou was able to have the product that they put out there last year. But you look at the historically good programs that don't have any chemistry. There's there's no symmetry among what they're trying to do. And I think that's one of the things that Kirk Herbstreet's talking about is that ultimately these coaches aren't going to be able to have a real football team. It was tough to watch some of the bowl games. Yeah, It's all-star teams. They, they were all-star teams and these kids are transferring prior to the bowl games. Do you make them at least see out the season? Like play out the mm-hmm. season before the transfer portal is allowed. I think that's something you have to look at. I think realignment is something you have to look at. I mean, you should not have the Pac-12 uh, be blown up. I mean, that is one of the great mm-hmm. conferences in college football. I, I thought Chip Kelly had it right. Chip Kelly, the head coach of UCLA, about realignment, how to do it, what it means for NIL. Player And Jim Harbaugh is 100% right. The players should have a piece of the pie. Should. They should have a piece. They're the product. Mm-hmm. They should have a piece of the pie. Now, how about this? If we are going to try to couch ourselves as college football, why not open the transfer portal after the college year is over? So going into the summer. Yeah, essentially. After, after spring football. Yes. Yeah, and then you can come up and sh- show up for fall camp. I would agree with that. The timing of this is so difficult because class is in session, you know, January 15th or so, and players are have to either decide by then or not. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. The yeah. timing of it doesn't make sense. Right. It's I, had, I have like a love-hate relationship with the transfer portal. I do think that it has gotten a little bit out of control. But this is my idea of it is that you are adults. You know, the, we're treating these college athletes like adults, so they have to make their own decisions. It's just like any other job. Like if you're bouncing around from one job to another very quickly, it's going to look bad on your resume. So you have to live with the consequences of your own actions. But this does put a big strain on the universities and the college coaches. And I just think there are smarter and better ideas. I'm, I'm all for the transfer portal, too. But there are smarter and better ideas to make it work more smoothly. I always find it interesting, like a guy like... Kirk Street or some others are not bashing the sport, but, you know, very critical of the sport. And I, I get it. They're paid a little bit to do that. But also, they've all made millions off the sport, too. I find mm-hmm. that really interesting when you have people that are down on the sport or they're very, very critical of what's happening right now. But I don't see them being affected with their checks like it affects the kids or ultimately affects some of the coaches, too. 
And maybe that's why Kirk is speaking out of he wants some sort of change so he can continue to get that big check because if things do not go well and you're talking about the product is not working well. Remember Eli Drinkwitz, he had that sound. He did that interview where he's talking about college football. The product is still great on the field, but really the business model is not sustainable at this moment. And if you are the NCAA, what you do is you get Kirk Herbstreet, Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh, Mac Brown. Yep. You get five people in a room and ask them, okay, what do we need to do to make this work? And those are gonna, the sm- smartest, most thoughtful people. Get Chip Kelly in there. The smartest, most thoughtful people in college football. And get your ideas from them and build from there. And who would lead, though, the student-athletes in terms of a union? I, oh, a you got to have a union. So mm-hmm. who leads them? you got to have some voice on the other side with this, too. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah, no do. doubt about it. And uh, th- there are... You need to get somebody bright and thoughtful. Uh, you, you can come up with somebody, though. I think that'd be, that, that's a good idea. That's important. Some the, top CEOs uh, uh, that want to come in, right. people like that that have the interest, the best interest of the kids at heart. Absolutely. That's today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we've got a new induction into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame over on the east side, and we're going to talk to Wes Edwards from the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Live from the Car Shield Studio, this is the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN coming up Monday, February 12th at the Gateway Convention Center in Collinsville. It's the Winter Enshrinement Dinner for the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. And joining us now from the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame is our friend Wes Edwards. Wes, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. And quite a class, including a couple of broadcasters, our friend Mike Kelly, who's from Dupo, Illinois, and the veteran play-by-play man for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he's been around for a long time, Dwayne Stats. That's a great way to start. Yeah, it's really good. We'll have some uh, gentlemen that obviously know how to handle a microphone, so that'll be a a good way to get the uh, show started off. Um, And then there's quite a few other very worthy inductees coming up. Um, One's Lindsay Eversmeyer that uh, coaches the SWIC men's team, and she's a TV analyst for City. So that'll be fun, too. A lot of good inductees on February 12th. What is the process like for deciding who will get into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame? Uh, first step is um, on our website where you can actually see everybody that's been inducted is there's a drop down where you can nominate somebody to go into the Hall of Fame. So we try not to let people nominate themselves. Uh, but <laughs> if you have somebody that was a, a coach or maybe, you know, you played with somebody that you feel is, is worthwhile, worthy of going in. Uh, we recommend people fill that form out, and then we go through the process of, you know, we have a committee of 20 people that vote. So, it, it, Wes, uh, you and I were having lunch the other day, and I know that uh, we have a big announcement to make uh, here on the show. And what, what, what th- just tell us about this announcement and what's coming to the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. Yeah, sure. So, Uh, Brooke, as I just mentioned with your question, that there's an online application form. So we received an online application recently, and we go through the process of our team, 
you know, takes a look at all the, the people that are nominated and we have a vote, as I mentioned. So uh, by unanimous decision, uh, we have someone we would like to invite to come into this single sports hall of fame. So uh, Randy Carricker, we hope that you're able to accept our invitation to be inducted into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame at our summer enshrinement dinner this year. Wow. Congratulations, Randy. Oh, man, that's that's awesome. Thank you, Wes. And, uh, yeah, I'm I'm humbled and thrilled I and totally unexpected. Yes, absolutely. I would love to be a member of the St. Louis Sports well, Hall of Fame. We don't have a better friend than you. And so for your listeners, uh, I can't remember the last time that we had an enshrinement dinner that Randy wasn't there to uh, do some of our interviews. And he's going to be doing some of our inter- interviews on Monday the 12th. So, I, I mean, you're more than worthy <clears throat> of this of this enshrinement. And I, you're just going to have to switch seats. You're going to have to go over <laughs> the seat. And somebody's going to be asking you the questions this time. Well, I, I really appreciate it, and I'm humbled, and, and thanks to the people, A, who nominated, and B, who, who voted for me. It's, uh, this is my town. You know, I, I've been here my entire life, so it's, a, it's an absolute thrill because I know what a big deal the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame is. So thank you, Wes, and uh, everybody who is involved. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're quite welcome. So uh, if anybody wants to kind of do some research about the Hall of Fame, uh, we have a website. It's stlshof.com. You can see all of the current activities going on. You can see who our team is. You can see everybody that's been inducted in the past. You can search search by sport or search by year uh, and by name, obviously. If you, if you think there's somebody that's worthy of going in, nominate them. That's what we like to see is people getting involved. That's awesome. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate That's that so very exciting. much. Yeah. Congrats, so, Randy. I'm thrilled. I, I expect that the entire group will be there. See, Wes, I'm getting the table together right now. <laughs> right, You're about halfway there already. <laughs> That's pretty good. And how can people get uh, tables and tickets for the uh, winter enshrinement dinner coming up February 12th over at Gateway Convention Center in Collinsville? Yeah, the easiest way is on the website. Uh, It's pretty straightforward. There's a flyer right on the front page. You can see all the enshrinees. You just click that, and it walks you through the process. So we'd be happy to have folks attend. Um, It's going to be a very nice event. The cocktail hour is at 5, there's dinner at 6, and then at 7 o'clock we have the program. And as I mentioned, it's an interview process as opposed to speeches. So we think that makes people comfortable, and it it makes the evening flow well, and it gives people like Randy opportunity to, you know, mix it up and ask some good questions. It'll be fun. And Dwayne Stats, as we mentioned, going in along with Mike Kelly, Roy Lee from baseball, the Weaver family from hockey, and they're prolific uh, in Illinois. Dean Wren from Belleville East is going in. Stephen Pfeiffer from running. Don Elser is a multi-sport athlete. Les Miller from baseball. John Simmons. And you mentioned Lindy, Lindsay Eversmeyer, Lindsay Kennedy Eversmeyer, who was the first female ever to play pro soccer. And I was over at uh, the Big 550, and we, we talked to Lindsay a lot when she was gis- just getting started in her playing career and has been a sensational coach for many years now. Yeah, so it, like I said, it's it's a really nice class of, of inductees. And, you know, somebody might be asking why we do an, a St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame dinner on the Illinois side. Uh, the answer is we, we recognize the metropolitan St. Louis area. And the enshrinement dinner in the wintertime is typically held on the Illinois side, and it has more of an Illinois flavor to it. 
but it's been very successful. And, um, you know, those folks are very proud of their athletes over there, as are the folks on the St. Louis side. So it's been a nice addition to um, our event schedule. It's phenomenal. Well, yeah, Wes, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate your time and uh, certainly appreciate the, the announcement this morning. I am humbled and, and thrilled. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're quite welcome, Randy. It's well-deserved. Thank you. Thanks, Brooke and Dan. Good yeah. Thank you. Take care. Uh, Wes Edwards from the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame with us on 101 ESPN. Way to go, buddy. Thank you. I'm so happy for you. You know, Wes and I were having lunch, and I knew you were going in, and I said, you know, we ought to surprise Randy on the air. And so that's why I said, let's get Wes Edwards on, not only to promote the event, and they do a hell of a job. I've been to a couple of those, and it does flow. You know, you don't have to necessarily think of your speech, which Mm -hmm. is nice. You'll have somebody interviewing you. And uh, it's, it's a celebration of your long career here in St. Louis, which began many, Many years ago, uh, at, years ago, at Camelax, and you're starting to get pretty emotional about I'm it. Kind of no. old, yeah. No, you're not old. No. You got you got a lot of years to go, buddy. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, you got a lot of years to go. <laughs> you got a lot pretty of yolos cool. to go. So now I'm, I'm I'm all nervous, and we got the fight coming up. And I guess Matthew, you need a fighter. Uh, yes, we do. Text in to the celebrity the celebrity line. Text in. See, yeah, I am. You're I'm, the celebrity. I'm, I'm, I'm all shook up. Uh, text in to the. Uh, Text line 314-399-9646, Yo! your name and the word fight, and maybe Matthew will pick you to fight against me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, Average Joe Listener. to the opening drive. It is now time for the fight. Brooke, Dan here, and Randy as well. But Randy's not in the room because it is time for the fight. Jeremy is our fighter today. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing pretty good. Ooh, you are fired up this morning. I like the energy that you have. <sighs> you, you, oh, wait, what, what happened there? You cut out a little bit. You, I heard what? the sigh. Oh, no, just taking a deep breath because I'm, I'm getting ready for this. There you go. You you just have to take a deep breath in and just trust your gut. That's what you have to do. Well, let's yep. do it. You ready? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Question All number right. one, Jeremy. Connor McDavid has won the last three Art Ross trophies as the NHL's leader in points. Who is the last non-McDavid player to win the award slash lead the league? Is it Nikita Kucherov, Nathan McKinnon, or Leon Dreisaitl? Um, I want to say Nathan McKinnon. Final answer, sir? Yes. All right, Jeremy. Question two. The 99 St. Louis Rams played two punters, eight games each. But which punter played in the playoffs slash Super Bowl? Was it John Baker, Rick Tootin, or Mike Horan? That would be Mike Horan. All right, question three, please. <laughs> Who is the only wide receiver to win multiple AP Offensive Player of the Year awards? Is it Terrell Owens, a.k.a. T.O., Calvin Johnson, or Jerry Rice? Uh, you got to go with Jerry on this one. 
Jeremy, is that your final answer, sir? That is. Okay, question four. On this day, 1985, the Cardinals swung the deal for the Ripper, Jack Clark. The deal included three fielders and which pitcher from the Cardinals? Ralph Citarella, Dave LaPointe, Eric Rasmussen. Uh, Dave LaPointe. All right, Jeremy, we're going to go get uh, Randy Carricker, and I'll tell you, I think uh, you have represented yourself, your family, your friends quite well. <laughs> that's that is that sounds very good, Dan. Yes, Jeremy's done a nice job. Randy is walking I don't into know the if studios. I know how to take that? Oh no, no, no! You, I think you're <laughs> going to be thing. just fine. So, uh, Randy, Hall of Famer, St. Louis Sports Hall of Famer, again, congratulations. <laughs> Are you ready you. to take on Jeremy in the fight? I am as ready as I can be. Jeremy, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. Good. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, Randy. Question number one. Connor McDavid has won the last three Art Ross trophies as the NHL's leader in points. Who is the last non-McDavid player to win the award slash lead the league? Can you repeat that again? I'm sorry. Connor McDavid has won the last three Art Ross trophies as the NHL's leader in points. Who is the last non-McDavid player to win the award slash lead the league? Ooh. um, Was it? It seems like Dreisaitl might have. Um. Uh, three years, so that'd take us. See, Kucherov missed that whole season in twenty twenty one. Um, or no, yeah, he twenty twenty one. So that would have been twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Come on now, so, Randall. No, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to figure out this. I'll, I'll go with uh, McDavid's teammate Leon Dreisaitl. Is that your final answer, final Randy? Final answer, sir. Are you ready for question two? Ready. The 1999 St. Louis Rams mm-hmm. played two punters, eight games each. But which punter played in the playoffs slash Super Bowl? Uh, that would have been one left-footed kicking Mike Horan. Question three, please. Oh, by the way, uh, <laughs> missed a field goal. The Rams missed a field goal in the Super Bowl because the ball slipped out of his hands. He was the holder, too. Can we move on to question three? We can. Let's move on to okay. question three. Yeah. Question three. Who is the only wide receiver to win multiple AP Offensive Player of the Year awards? That would be Jerry Rice of the San Francisco 49ers. Question four. On this day, 1985, the Cardinals swung the deal for the Ripper, Jack Clark. The Ripper. The deal included three fielders and which pitcher from the Cardinals? So you had, uh, if I'm not mistaken... Gary Rasich in that deal. I think David Green might have been in that deal. Jose Uribe. I thought it was five for one. Uh, uh, I, but uh, I think Dave LaPointe was the pitcher that the Cardinals gave up in the uh, Jack Clark deal. Is that your final answer? Uh, Dave LaPointe, final answer, sir. All right, Matthew, tell us who won. Well, we do, in fact, have a winner, as Danny said there. No tiebreaker today. I'm bummed because it was a really good one. It was good But well, maybe, maybe, maybe you guys get to use it tomorrow. We'll see. But we have, a, we have a winner in the fight today. Is it Randy coming back with another win after letting one up early? Or does Jeremy come in with the confidence, with the hype, and pull away a win on this Thursday? Ring that bell. 
winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by Car Shield. Plans to fit any budget. Visit carshield.com today. And you get this too. I wasn't going to give it to you at first, but no, I'll give it to you. Oh, thank you. Thank so you a 4-3 win for Randy. Jeremy, you did so well, but unfortunately, Randy Carricker did just a little bit better and got that fourth one. He hit the jack, and he beats you today. Yeah, I knew that first one was either dry soil or McKinnon, so I took a shot. Yeah, sorry about that one. Let's go through those questions and those answers. Connor McDavid, the last three Art Ross trophies. He has five total. He won two. Nikita Kucherov won his, then Dreisaitl win his, and then it's the three from McDavid, so Dreisaitl is the correct one there. Nikita Kucherov right now leading this year, by the way. 1999 St. Louis Rams played two punters, eight games each. It was Rick Tudin and Mike Horan, but Horan took over for the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Mike Horan was old. That's why he's probably even older now. Uh, let's see how usually old, that's like, how time works. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Mike Haram, when he punted for the '99 Rams, and by the way, the Super Bowl was his last game ever. He was yeah, 40 years old. So, uh, happy birthday, Mike Haram! I thought that question was going to like get laughed out of the studio, oh. but Jeremy answered that with like the quickness and the confidence of like, mm-hmm. no, no, I remember who kicked two punts in that Super Bowl. Thank you very yeah. much. So I was impressed with that one. Uh, um, uh, Mike ran 65 today. Happy birthday. And do you remember when Rick Tootin got hurt? He had to crawl not. off the field. Yeah, oh, I, I, I do remember that. He, did not uh, remember he that. tore a hand Nasty. or something. Yeah, it was bad. No one helped him off? No, he just crawled. Jesus. Uh, who's the only wide receiver to win multiple AP Offensive Player of the Year awards? This is, in fact, Jerry Rice, who has won two. And on this day in 1985, the Cardinals swung the deal for the Ripper, Jack Clark. And Randy rattled off all four players correctly. Jose Uribe. Go ahead and do the rest of it. Dave, Dave LaPointe, Dave Green. David Green and Dave LaPointe. And Dave LaPointe. So there it is, a 4-3 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Jeremy, thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show. You're very welcome. You all have a good day. You thank too. you, Jeremy. By the way, two of those players were acquired in the deal with Milwaukee for Raleigh Fingers. That's right. right. We got Dave LaPointe and David Green in that deal. Big uh, part of 1982, Dave LaPointe. Yeah. And a huge part of the Cardinal alumni now. Yes. He's always at the fantasy camps and uh, loves hanging out with the Cardinals. Funny, funny guy. Funny guy. That was the fight on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the PGA Tour came uh, up with a $3 billion deal in private equity. Have they staved off a hostile takeover by Liv? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We got word towards the end of the show yesterday that a $3 billion agreement had been made between a private uh, investment firm here in the United States, Sports Strategies, and the PGA Tour. An infusion of cash to offset what Liv is trying to do, and let's be honest about it, Liv is trying to perform a hostile takeover of the PGA Tour and essentially own the PGA Tour. This is the way I take it, is that the PGA Tour was asking for money from somebody to help them basically stave off a hostile takeover, and at this point, with the $3 billion infusion of cash, they've been able to do so. That, that's exactly what's happening here. I think that the biggest part of this is, one, the purses, from what I understand, this will be able to fund them for the next five years. And now the players actually have equity in the product. And I think that that's going to be a big part of keeping players within the PGA Tour. But here's the thing. Even with this big investment from this private equity group, this American private equity group, does it really keep 
Saudi completely away from this and their pri- and their private investment fund. No, it doesn't stop negotiations with Liv, but it does allow a fallback for these the the players. So there's promises to keep those that were loyal to the tour financially satisfied. What they're going to have is performance-based incentives over the next five years. You have eight different billionaires that have become a part of this with big connections. And I got to think that Tiger Woods was instrumental in what's taken place here and and making sure, as he's part of the Players Committee now, to make sure that this is done properly and his voice carries a lot of weight. And I, I think that's part of it, too, is that once he got involved, things change a little bit. Does it mean that players won't jump? No. But does it help at least stave off a little bit of what Liv is doing? Probably. I would say so. It's going to be interesting, though, for the players that stayed and kept loyal to the PGA Tour. How are they made whole? When you look mm-hmm. at these guys mm-hmm. jumping to live and they're getting astronomical amounts of money, how do you make those that were loyal to live? or excuse me, loyal to the PGA Tour uh, whole. Now, apparently, Rory's going to get a ton of money. Um, Some others are going to get a lot of money. Tiger's going to get a lot of money. But it doesn't necessarily mean that Liv won't have a takeover of of more players coming their way. But slowly but surely, those Liv players that have exemptions to the majors are going to be falling by the wayside. And in, in five years, that's what you're trying to do if you're the PGA Tour, is make it unattractive for players to go to live because they can't participate in the majors. Sure, they'll have their money, but what will, what will their legacy be? Oh, their legacy is that they jumped. Yeah. yeah there's yeah. no question about it. I mean, what we, Phil Mickelson was a tremendous player, and if not for Tiger, would have won maybe three to five more majors. He still is one of the greatest players that has ever played. But if you look at where he was at in his career, he could have stayed on tour. And if he wanted to be a TV analyst, he would have been Mm -hmm. the guy. He would have been the guy in the face of the PGA Tour on television. And he bypassed all that for the money. Is there any concerns that Piff will double down as a retaliation? I think it's part of it. I I think so. But I wonder how far they can go because you can throw money at it all you want but unless you have the pga and the pga championship and the masters and the u.s open unless your players are getting into those tournaments that's what all the golfers care about is the majors so uh, unless you get people that are only concerned about money and not concerned about their place in golf history what good is it going to do for Piff to go buy a bunch of players that never have a chance to play in majors? And it's about the money. Yeah. You know, these players get, I mean, Terrell Hatton just jumped for $60 million. He had made a total of like 15 to 20 on tour, grinding it out. And now he gets a check for, there you go, $60 million over three years or whatever it is. How do you how do you knock John Rahm for getting half a billion dollars and making that jump? And he has his majors, right? He's got his exemptions for five years. That's a different player than Terrell Hatton, who will, and he probably wasn't going to win a major anyway. But sixty million, and they don't care about the money. The the Piff doesn't care about the money. Liv doesn't care about the money. He does. But there's a perfect example of a guy whose golf legacy is going to be, okay, I got the money, but I'm never really going to win anything. Sure. I, I think, though, that this staves off live for a little bit, but it'll drag on the talks with the Saudis, and eventually this will come together from the World Golf Tour to what you have with the PGA Tour to what you have with Liv. And, and really, 
if you think about the big picture, the ones that are getting affected the most by this are the fans. Mm -hmm. You know, Pebble Beach would have featured all the top names this weekend, and you can try to do elevated events and get a better field into what you're doing, but uh, fans ultimately suffer. I I did find it interesting. Morikawa came out yesterday, and then a lot of people jumped on saying that the television product isn't where it needs to be that you need to see every shot. You need to see every putt. There are too many commercials. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell them, well, that's how you make your money. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you got to sell a lot of this. And it, while it all sounds great on paper, you got to make your money back, too. That's part of, of it. The, at the end of the day, that's the thing. And with SSG, and this is from golf.com, uh, they are investing the $3 billion, as we told you, the first chunk of which will be a billion and a half, and give the investment group, an ownership stake in a new for-profit entity called PGA Tour Enterprises. And that's going to consist of the tour's money-making assets, tournaments, media rights, and contracts. And the SSG guaranteed a billion and a half to the tour upon finalization of the agreement. So what you have is a group of billionaires who bought a piece of the PGA Tour. They, they basically bought it, and that's what Live was or the PIF was trying to do. This group includes Fenway Sports Group, owners of the Red Sox and uh, and Liverpool and the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and LeBron, by the way, is part of that. So LeBron now is kind of part of the ownership of the PGA Tour. But it also includes Arthur Blank of Home Depot and the Falcons, Steve Cohen, the owner of the Mets, Mark Adonisio, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, Mike Grausbeck, a venture capital billionaire and owner of the Celtics, and Mark Lazary, who is uh, the former owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. So a lot of people that are invested in sports think that they can, and they wouldn't be in this if they didn't think think they could make money. They think they can make money on golf. And I wonder if you bring that group in and the name, the you know, eight billionaires that are well-connected in sports, I, I just still think Liv will double down on this thing now mm-hmm. and say, okay, you wanted to try this with us? Watch this. I mean, they've got endless money. They do. And that's the thing is that you're going up against them. And I do think that an important thing to note about this as well is that while this will kind of keep them away, maybe for a little bit, they're not going to completely go away. And the PGA Tour isn't exactly going away from the idea of the investment in a possible merger. Jordan Spieth talked about that yesterday. I don't think that it's needed. I think the positive would be a unification. But I think that, like I mentioned before, I I just think it's something that is almost not even worth talking about right this second given how timely everything would be to try to get it um, figured out. Um, But the idea is that we have a strategic partner that allows the PGA Tour to go forward the way that it's operating right now. But I think the, the short answer is we don't have to. And I think the long answer is the positive there is a is a unification. So you don't have to. And I do think when you're mentioning Dan, the fan aspect, that was something that I was at least looking forward to because it seemed like there were some talks and it was going to come together where you would have more unification. But now with this, you don't need that investment from PIF, at least right now. And so what about the fan aspect of this uh, that we're wanting maybe a unification where they could get everything back together? Fans can't see DJ. You can't see P. Reed. You can't see Phil Mickelson. You can't see some of these top players, John Rahm. And I think it does have an impact. I think it certainly does. If you love golf like we do, 
Mm -hmm. it has an impact when you're watching every weekend. And Rory wants those guys back, but a Mm -hmm. lot of players were quoted yesterday as saying, no, we don't want them back. And obviously, if you're a lesser player, if you're the number 50 player in the world, why do you want to bring four or five guys that are better (laughs) than you back to the PGA Tour, right? Well, it's more money. It's more attention. So They they tried to merger this thing December 31st. That Mm -hmm. was the deadline. And so essentially, this just pushes it back and it staves off elimination, if you will. It, it's just it's just going to push it back, and eventually they're going to have to come together. And one other note, the big guy yesterday, they, they had a, a conference call, a Zoom call, and he has to come on and say, hey, everyone, this is Tiger Woods. And then he said, <laughs> just wanted to say thank you, SSG, for believing in us and believing in our sport, believing in the potential growth that we could enjoy together. Golf is an amazing sport. It's allowed communities to heal and grow, and we, as a team, are going to offer that according to what we believe is the true compensation and meritocracy that our sport has been built upon all these years. Tiger went on to say, as has been described earlier, as the tour grows, we grow. So the more we invest into the tour, the more we get the benefits of it, which has never been, and this is the key, it's never happened in sports history. So we're the first. Exciting for me to be a part of that. That's Tiger Woods. And the players, like I, I was mentioning that earlier, he's got a seat at the board. Mm-hmm. He's going to try to make this thing happen, but he and Rory need to be paid in whole with mm-hmm. some of this stuff, and that takes away from the $1.5 billion that's being invested in this, yeah. and it's about a $3 billion uh, total investment over five years. Another part of this, a total Houdini act. Are you guys surprised that Jay Monahan will stay oh, and man. continue yes. as the CEO of the new PGA Tour Enterprises? Yeah, he is Houdini. Why? I I am a little confused about that. Do you have any concerns about that, considering the way that everything, the fallout, and how he was a big part of it? Well, yeah, I I thought he would be gone. I thought he'd be gone by now. I thought Rory and some of the others that it, look. If I'm Rory McIlroy, I'm irate. Mm-hmm. I was the mm-hmm. face of this. I was the face of saying, I'm not going to jump to live. He was you know, very vocal about it and took a chance with that, too. And then all of a sudden, Jay Monahan comes out of nowhere and says, well, we're negotiating with Liv. I'd be irate if I was mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy, although he is backing off some of the stances that he made He's in the middle of summer. Yeah, totally. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting year. It's been an interesting two years in the business of golf. It'll be another interesting year. That's Brooke. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, the Rush Hour Reset here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. It is 9.03 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Brooke Grimsley, Danny Mack, Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. We have NBA basketball tonight here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game at 6 for the Celtics and the Lakers. It's a classic rivalry. It's the one that the NBA wants, and they just had to find that date where 101 ESPN had the opening. So when the NBA put their schedule together, they said, hey, let's look at the Blues and see, okay, they don't have any Blues action on 101 ESPN in St. Louis on February 1st. Let's put Celtics and Lakers there. So that's what they've done. To the bigger point, I wonder if the schedule makers did look at the next two weeks of the NBA and the NHL now on their all-star break and said, we need to put premier matchups on some of the classics like the Celtics and the Lakers. I would. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd it's try nostalgic. to get It's the sport that is going right now. It's basketball. You got center stage. Why not put some of the better teams together? Yeah, it makes sense. Or last, your better yeah. players well, in prime time, too. And last night you had uh, 
Kevin Durant yep. returning to Brooklyn, right? And uh, the Suns came away with a victory there. But yeah, you are seeing a Dame going back to Portland. It was old yep. home week last night. So you are seeing maybe some of the the genius that goes into schedule making that we don't really appreciate a lot of times. 636 says, man, waiting for Jackson to be out of town before dropping NBA on STL Radio. Oh, oh he Whoa. is going out of town. We, we, He's going on a bachelor party, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we have Nixon Lakers, by the way, on Saturday night here on 101 ESPN. And oh. then the Pro Bowl. I didn't think there were, I wonder what the Pro Bowl is. Are we going to do play-by-play of a flag football game or something? Absolutely. It's football. People okay. watch or listen. Yeah. They will. They. I'm better. watching the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. watching the practices for the Senior Bowl, <laughs> wow. and you Cody Schrader is—he's—he's he's all of a sudden yeah. jumping up on a lot of people's boards. Yeah. Who's the defensive end from Missouri that I'm thinking of? Uh, Darius Robinson. Yeah, he's—he's he's doing Rob. big things and moving up boards too. He has been a big talker during the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's really Reese's stood Senior out. Bowl. Yeah, it's sponsored. Thank it is. You. That's that's your that's no, your goal. I love it. Yeah, you should be watching, Randy <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm all in. <laughs> I yeah. assume they have the little football ones that you handed out to us. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, a question for you guys. Yesterday, the Seattle Seahawks hired Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald as their head coach. The Washington Commanders still don't have a head coach. Before McDonald was hired by Seattle, both Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator for the Detroit Lions, and Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans, said, no, we're not interested. We're going to stay here as coordinators rather than take your head coaching jobs. Should that be a red flag for fans of those teams that those two offensive coordinators didn't want their head coaching jobs? Or maybe they had, they found out, okay, they're taking somebody else anyway. Or maybe they're just taking the wait-and-see approach for some other jobs that will be opening up next season. Mm-hmm. That seems what's going to be happening with Bill Belichick, with Mike Vrabel as well. Seems like some people are anticipating for some more openings coming up. But for the Commanders, I'm actually kind of surprised. I honestly thought that the Panthers would have the hardest time finding a head coach and filling that role. For the Commanders, you're kind of getting a clean slate there, which maybe could be a bad thing, and maybe that's how some of the candidates are viewing it. But, I mean, an entire just clean slate for a franchise is very rare, and to be a part of that, I feel like that would be enticing, but maybe it's not. But with the Carolina situation, their new GM, Dan Morgan, had been with Dave Canales in Seattle, Mm -hmm. and so he hired a buddy. Basically, oh come on, we'll we'll have a good time. We'll have we'll we'll have some cookouts during the summer, and then we'll go coach some football, and then we'll get fired by Dave Tepper, but we'll still get our money. <laughs> <laughs> come join me. Yeah, I, it's a I, nice payout. Still shocked that Bill Belichick hasn't wound up wound up somewhere. I'm shocked. Well, with Tom Brady Senior's comments and the comments from the front office, the anonymous front office people in Atlanta. So what Bill Belichick wanted was for them to completely demote their 20 year president, Rich McKay. He's been there since basically 2003. Uh, He wanted to get rid of all of the football people and bring in his own football people. And he's going to be 72. So you're going to have to blow the whole thing up. And then in three years when he's gone, you're going to have to blow the whole thing up again. They said, why not just move ahead with what we have right now? And they were able to convince Arthur Blank of this. Why take our chances on a guy who's had the game pass him by? Why should we do this when we can move ahead and actually move forward? My thinking is if he's 72, you're going to hire him at 73? I mean, this was it, maybe. It might have been. 
because you, if you're going to hire him, you better have Tom Brady, a, a Tom Brady, ready to run the show for you. Yep. I agree. I, I think that it will be really surprising if he does get hired next season because if age is the big factor, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why maybe some teams are reluctant and they're hiring these younger coaches. We talked about it earlier. They're looking for their next Sean McVay. Every team wants to strike gold with that right now. But at the same time, do you think that with Mike Vrabel, and I bring him in this because we know his connections with the Patriots and Bill Belichick, it seems like they had some similarities in the way that they were kind of the way that they as it's put together their staff was something that was an issue for both of them yeah. and something that a lot of people brought up. They're control freaks, right? That's that's part of the deal is Belichick has had complete control and basically Robert Kraft turned over the franchise to him and they had a lot of Super Bowl wins. Uh, Vrabel, because he's a Belichick guy, wanted the same sort of thing. And oh, by the way, who did Mike Vrabel work for in college who was a control freak? Urban Meyer. So that's part of it as well. But I, I think you run into a situation with guys like that where uh, sometimes their ego is so outsized that they can't read the room. And here's what Tom Brady's dad, Tom Brady Sr. said. He said, Bill Belichick is tough. He runs a military system. It's a different generation. Bill is a great, great, great coach, but his interpersonal skills are horrible. That's the bottom line. How many times has he said back in 15 or 16 that he wanted to win without Tommy? When he went without Tommy, he didn't know what he was losing. You're losing more than just a quarterback. Ego sometimes gets in the way of things. I wonder if that ego will get in the way. Ego will get in the way if you're... Jerry Jones, and you're running out of time with the current group that you have, and you don't win next year, do you say, okay, it's a two-year window, Bill Belichick, come on in and do your thing? That seems to me to be the spot if he went anywhere next yeah. year. Yep. Desperation, right? Yeah. Where, okay, I want to win before I die. I, uh, I'm i interested in Belichick as a, uh analyst, like going on a TV, you know, mm-hmm. being on, a, on, a, on the set, and is he willing to just let it rip and show personality in, in being on TV. So do you replace Jimmy Johnson with Belichick and have Belichick and Gronk up on the set together with exactly. Howie Long and somebody else, maybe Greg Olson or whatever? And then Nick Saban going to maybe college game day. Yeah. I think Nick Saban would be fabulous because they command respect immediately when they walk right. in the room. And he loves ESPN. They do. Yeah. Now, Bill Belichick, though, is not known for being a man of many words, so maybe you would... I feel like you would have to put Gronk with him yeah. to really bring out that personality even more, and that is something that could kind of help fix his public reputation and perception as well if he does do a good job of th- that. Think That's about a good point. what Dan Deardorff told us. He said, Bill Belichick's awesome. He's, he's one of the funniest and most engaging people I've ever met. You don't see that as much, But you though. just don't see it. But behind the scenes, you did. Yeah, and I would imagine if this is his job, this is what he's got to do, you'll see a different side yeah. of Bill Belichick. Yeah. I would imagine. It'd be it'd be interesting. It, it would draw eyes at least initially, right? Doesn't matter. Just like just Brady. Because, yeah, just because it's Bill Belichick. Right, no doubt about it. That is the rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk a little about the a little bit about the NHL All Star Game and the snub of Robert Thomas with Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from the Athletic. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Report with our Blues insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor.
All right, you heard the guy with the deep voice. News, notes, and nuggets. Our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us now. And, JR, I got to ask you, what do you prefer to provide most? News, notes, or nuggets? (laughs) News, notes, and nuggets. (laughs) Uh, I'll provide whatever you guys want me to provide, but I do want to provide this today. Randy, congratulations on the St. Louis uh, Hall of Fame. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm sure Dan feels the same way. Brooke feels the same way. I moved into my grandparents' house when I was a sophomore in high school. And, you know, uh, grandparents, what do they have on the radio all the time? It's KMOX. And so I grew up listening to you, and then I found myself in a locker room, Cardinals, Rams, Blues, uh, and watched you, admired you, and learned a lot. And that's the one thing that I think is so cool about things like this, like the Hall of Fame, is you don't know the impact that you had on others who were watching you along the way. So I just want to tell you that I think that your media tree is a lot better than Bill Belichick's coaching tree. There you go. <laughs> yes, Thank you, so JR. Good. That, that means a lot from from you. And I, I've always enjoyed working with you and, and being alongside you because you're one of my, you're one of the nicest people in the world and one of my favorites. So, and you're accomplished and really good at what you do. So that means a lot to me. Thank you. Well, that's a lie, but thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, <laughs> what do you guys want to talk about? News, notes, or nuggets? Well, the I guess the news that I should ask you about, we were talking about this earlier, the NHL releasing the player assignments for the All-Star Skills Competition yesterday, and Robert Thomas is not on the list, even for the NHL Passing Challenge. Why is that? Yeah, so they, they, they mixed up the uh, skills competition this year, and I think it's uh, in part uh, Connor McDavid said, uh, hey, guys, listen, so many guys are sitting around doing nothing for three hours. Uh, it's a long event. There's TV timeouts. There's a Zamboni uh, resurface a couple different times. And, and so instead of having so many guys sit out there in their uniform, they just wanted to have 12 guys in the competition, and they're going to compete in six events, the 12 guys. And the leaders, after six events, are going to go on to the final two events and they are playing for $1 million. I'm hoping that money's going to charity at the end of the night, but <laughs> they're going to play for $1 million. So whereas I was a month ago, I didn't know about this change. I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, well, if Robert Thomas is in it, he'll be in the passing competition for sure. Recently, Doug Armstrong said he's one of the top five passers in the league, but we will unfortunately not get to see that tonight. We were talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, we were talking about coaches that, trend, you know, do they go from coaching to – being on a desk or doing something in television or media. I thought Craig Berube was outstanding. Have you seen him, JR? Have you seen what he's done? He's phenomenal. Yeah, he did some work with uh, TNT, uh, Dan. And, uh, you know, a couple years ago when Mike Yo was the coach, I don't know if Mike was sick or, or he just wasn't going to do the post game. And, you know, Craig Berube had the coaching experience in Philadelphia, so it's not like he had not been in front of the media before. But he came up to the uh, the desk and did the post game interviews with the media and it was a little bit choppy and you know he was a little bit all over the map and I thought man I don't know if this guy could be a head coach again even though he's been one in Philadelphia but wow he's just so collected with his thoughts so poised and even though you don't necessarily see the you know humor that you you see in, in other funny guys he just deadpans and you know leaves you with your your jaw dropped a little bit with uh, some of the things he said that, uh, you know, maybe not funny to him, but it's funny to the rest of us. So I think he could do a great job in that industry, but I know he'll be back in coaching. One of the things that I love about Chief is that he's got almost an aggressive laugh. He, he, he's so <laughs> gregarious. And we saw last night on TV, he, he's got one of the best laughs in the world, and you don't expect it from a guy like that. That can make him a TV star because he's such a fun guy. 
Yeah, it really could. And there's like this pause. So like he'll say something, he don't know how it's going to be received in the room. And then he'll start to laugh a little bit. And then, like you said, it's an aggressive laugh where it just gets louder and louder for about 10 seconds. And all of a sudden, I'm laughing because he's laughing, not necessarily what he said. <laughs> right, exactly. So he'll do well. And like Army said when uh, he fired Craig Ruby, he said he's going to coach again in the league and he'll coach well. Uh, and this is great entree. I mean, look at what Vancouver is doing under Rick Tockett. That seat that he occupied last night is great entree to getting back into coaching. It really is. I think if you're a coach looking for a job, just go take that seat for a little bit. But, but no, those are two great guys, great coaches, and, and it's you know, not a coincidence that they're really, really close friends, uh, Rick Tockett and Craig Bruby. You know, I think Rick Tockett uh, even mentioned a couple weeks ago that Craig Bruby and, and he have spoken a lot, and uh, you know, Craig's offered his thoughts on some few things around the league. So obviously they're continuing that relationship, even though Craig is not the head coach. And, hey, we saw it a couple weeks ago, Craig uh, scouting for the Blues, or at least – on a St. Louis Blues media pass in the press box in Philadelphia taking a peek at things. So he's trying to make sure that he doesn't stay too far away from the game. Well, JR, I know that a lot of us would like to forget about it, but I want to bring back up the Blues the other night losing. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know. I think that we all want to forget about it, but still the Blues losing to the Blue Jackets. What did you think of that? And just the performance overall is kind of surprising after they had a great run going. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Being Brooke Downer here. (laughs) I I think that it was unexpected, even though, you know, people can look ahead and say, hey, this is a trap game and they could lose this. You know, I do think the way they played, you know, it was, uh, when you say unexpected, I mean, you can have a bad game. That was worse than a bad game. I, I mean, to go into the break and you got the, you know, the head coach talking about pouring it all out there and uh, look what they've built and uh, they just can't afford to, to lose that momentum going into the break, you know, it, it's just poor. And, you know, some people are going to say, well, look back at the last five games they won. They really weren't uh, dominating, and the analytics said they could have lost those games. That's fine, but they still won those games, and you still had a chance to win this one and go into the break uh, feeling pretty good about yourself coming back. So who knows? Maybe it could be a situation where that bad taste, I know it's cliche, but it sits with you over the break. You come back, and maybe they come back even stronger than they would have had they won the six in a row. JR, they're in Toronto, so the epicenter of hockey in many ways, and all eyes on the NHL All-Star Game from a league perspective. So Gary Bettman will take the mic at some point and kind of do a State of the Union, State of the Game. What do you think some of the questions uh, he'll be asked in, in terms of where they're at with the State of the Game? Well, I think he likes where they're at with the game. I think the number one question is probably going to be about uh, expansion, uh, there's a lot of rumblings about Atlanta becoming the, the next city. You know, I've spoken to, to some GMs, and they said while they don't have any definitive word that that's going to be the case, they are planning for a potential expansion in terms of how they're uh, structuring contracts. You know, when you give guys a no-movement clause, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with that when there's an expansion draft, you know, whether it be uh, with Atlanta. We've also heard that uh, Seattle has its act together, and, and the league uh, has, has talked to them, too, so... You know, Seattle, did I say Seattle? I meant Salt Lake City. You say the Salt Lake City? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Salt Lake City and uh, Atlanta are the two uh, cities that are kind of on the radar right now. So I think that'll be uh, the biggest thing, as Gary Bettman, you're right, as he does address the media. I think that's tonight or tomorrow night. Hey, JR, when you look at the Blues schedule coming out of the break, and then you get to the All-Star break. Can you envision a scenario in which they'll be heavily involved in the trade deadline? I can't imagine that they give up give up a number one to buy, but I can't imagine that they give up their playoff chance to sell. That's the way I'm looking at it. How do you see it? 
I think you're exactly right. I, I don't think they're giving up any first round picks. I don't even think they're giving up, you know, recent first round draft picks to move up. And then if you if you fall out of contention and let's just say you're eight or ten points back of the wild cards, you know, by that time, which you know you'd have to lose a lot of games to be in that spot. Uh, then I think it's a situation where you know you're probably selling a Scandella. You know, maybe you, you sell or you re-sign Oscar Sunquist. Uh, but I think the the main question everybody in St. Louis wants to know are those guys with term. You're talking about the Lettys, the Sods, the Buchnevichs, the the Binningtons. You know, can you move any of those guys? You know, I think it's possible. I think teams do want them. But a, I don't think the Blues want to give up a few of those guys. Doug Armstrong has said he wants to stay competitive during this retool. And also, I think those are summer moves. Those are off-season moves. You don't get the best bang for your buck when you're making deals with teams who are currently up against the salary cap and, and maybe uh, you know they don't want to give up something off their roster. So I think that's something that Doug would address in the off-season. So I'm with you, Randy. I think uh, how you laid it out there is how Doug's looking at it. All right. What are you going to be doing during this uh, break? Are you going to Cabo? <laughs> I am not going to Cabo uh, primarily because I don't want to run into Jamie Rivers and see him in a speedo. So. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So I don't want to see that. You know, when I get to to the uh, Facebook, I'll have to scroll past those pictures. But no, just laying low here in uh, God's country and in St. Louis and working on a few stories. Uh, talking to Paul Stastny here in just a little bit. We're going to talk about Robert Thomas and Paul Stastny uh, is going to break down some Robert Thomas film and tell us what he's doing so well and. We'll have that piece up at the Athletic as the Blues and Robert Thomas get ready for the All-Star Game on Saturday. Sounds great. We always love your work in the Athletic, and we will be checking it out. Thanks very much for the time. Thanks very much for the compliment. It means a lot coming from you, Jr. Yeah, congrats. Great great uh, honor and well-deserved. All right, thank you, sir. That is our friend Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues insider from the Athletic here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Dan, you want stories. I do. I want story time with Randy. I mean, we never – this is the only time – that we'll be able to tell you congratulations, at least in the moment, of the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. And with 40 years of covering sports in town, a little story time with Randy. Okay, that's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Drive rolls on, Brooke Grimsley, Dan McLaughlin, and that is Randy Carricker. If you missed the news earlier, we made the announcement that Randy will be inducted into the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame, a career that has spanned 40 years here in St. Louis. And again, congratulations, Randy. And we thought we'd take this time, because it happens once, to have the chance to visit with you a little bit about your career. How did it all start media-wise for you? Well, first of all, thank you. And it's an honor, and uh, I'm, I'm humbled. So when I was a kid, when I, I was that big kid walking around the halls in seventh grade that didn't go out for football, and the football coach <laughs> said, hey, you should come out for the football team. And I go, my very first practice, I get, I'm, they've got me playing defensive line, and I get drilled in the back by a guy with his helmet, and it just laid me out and uh, for a week. And my mom took me to the doctor, and they did x-rays, and they found out I was missing part of my vertebrae. He said, you can't play football anymore. He said, uh, you need to strengthen your, your core, and you, you, you just can't play football. And I didn't have any athletic ability anymore. And like a lot of people my age, at night, I would listen to Sports Open Line on KMOX, and I was enamored with, obviously, Jack Buck and Bob Costas, Bill Wilkerson, and the gang. 
And I thought, you know what? I love sports. I want to become a sportscaster. I went to a high school workshop at Lindenwood, found out that the chairman of the board at Lindenwood was the general manager at KMOX, Robert Highland. So I thought, yeah, I'll just go to Lindenwood because, you know, he's the GM at KMOX and he's the chairman of the board. So there's no doubt that I'll get an internship and get hired there. So I went to Lindenwood, got the internship, and then just fate, I, I got hired at KMOX as a producer. Uh, I remember Rob Silverstein, who was our executive producer, he said, I need you to work like an animal. you got to make me look good here. He was a new, little New York guy. <laughs> uh, and so I, uh, Lisa Bedian, uh, who's still around town, does great work in our area, was the, the very first producer I ever had as an intern. The very first night I ever was an intern, John Elway got traded from the Colts to the Broncos. And she let me make phone calls and interview people and edit tape because I'd learned that at Lindenwood. And that was May of 1983, and so May of 2023 was 40 years in radio. So that's how it got started. Amazing. That's an amazing start. Now, I've asked you this a million different times. I love going to you for advice because you are Uncle Randy, Mm -hmm. and you give so much great advice. And when I moved here to St. Louis, I gravitated towards you because you are just a wealth of knowledge, and you are always willing to help people out. So for the young broadcasters out there or potential broadcasters, What's just some advice that you would give to them? I've got three pieces of advice that I give to all broadcasters. And the first one applies to everybody. And Brooke, I I saw it in you right off the bat. Be willing to work hard. There are so many people out there that aren't, that if you're willing to work hard, it differentiates you from everybody else. So be willing when you finish a project to go ask your superior, okay, what can I do next? And when you leave at night, I'm leaving, but before I go, is there anything I can do for you? That sets you apart. Number two, study and know what you're talking about. Be prepared and have an idea. And if if you're in our business, a foundation for your opinions, or if you're doing an interview, uh, have knowledge of your interview subject. And then the third thing, when you're getting started, now more than ever, be versatile. Be able to do a lot of things. Be able to do radio and TV. Dan when he was working for Fox Sports when he got started, was producing his own features. So it was just Dan for features for blues intermissions and stuff like that. Uh, I edited all my own stuff. When I was a producer, game six of the two thousand or the 1985 National League Championship Series, the Jack Clark home run game, we do open line, goes from six to eight. I get a call at 8.05, and it's Rob Silverstein again. He's, and we hadn't started this. Cardinals win the pennant. He said, I need a two-hour special by tomorrow for 6 o'clock. This is at 8.05 after game six. So I pulled an all-nighter. It was awesome. It was great. It was one of my favorite things. And this is in the days when you had to actually cut tape with a razor blade and tape it together. (laughs) And I got all the highlights. We had like 150 highlights. Jack Buck comes in at 9 the next morning and records tracks for it. And I literally worked from, well, I, I worked. 24 hours in a row, but that was one of the most, I still remember it, I can watch myself doing it. It was exhilarating to be able to work that hard, but to be able to do more things than than just talk. I could edit, I could be creative, I could write, and I loved being able, and still love being able to do all those things. Biggest influences for you? Oh, there's no doubt that the reason I got into the business and then my mentor and the person that boosted me most was Jack Buck. And so Mr. Highland had a rule that you had to be able to go somewhere else and bring something to the table when you came to KMOX. And a friend of mine, a friend of yours, Charlie Slows, who's now the voice of the Washington Nationals, left to become the voice of the Washington Bullets. He was doing overnight sports. And we had a guy 
named Jim Butler, who was our news guy who was doing the sportscast. So I walked into Mr. Highland's office. Mr. Highland was famous for coming into work at about midnight and leaving at four in the afternoon. So when I was leaving at about one in the morning, one morning, I walked into Mr. Highland's office. And oh, by the way, he was on his knees praying. Uh, but and I, yeah. I said, Mr. Highland, he said, can you come back in an hour? I said, sure. So I, rather than one, I come back at two. And he's, what do you need? And I said, well, Mr. Highland, we're the sports voice of America, and we've got a news guy doing our most important sports casts at night. I can do it. He said, give pre, me a tape. Pre-internet. Yeah, pre-internet, right. Pre-sports center. Yeah. Uh, he, he said, give me, give me a tape. Yeah, it was a huge sports cast. It was a 10-minute sports cast where you got everything. Uh, so uh, the next day, I make a tape, and Jack Buck walks in. What are you doing? I said, I'm making a tape for Mr. Highland. I want to do the overnight sports. He said, don't move. Walks into Highland's office, which was right next door to the sports office. And as it turns out, it says, let the kid do it. Mr. Highland, he said, the overnight sports, let let the kid do it. So that night I was doing overnight sports. Got a call, by the way, from Mr. Highland immediately after the sports guest saying on the hotline, you need to be more concise. Click. He never said goodbye. So I became more concise. He became a better broadcaster. But then uh, Mark Boyle leaves to become the voice of the Indiana Pacers. He was doing the the post-game open line. And uh, Jack walks in the next day. What are you doing? Well, Mark Boyle left, so uh, we're, we've got the postgame open line. Same thing. Let the kid do it. And that's essentially what happened is that the, the three big things, that uh, being able to do sportscasts, number two, being able to do the, the open lines, and then the biggest one was when I got laid off in 1996, Jack Buck, Rod Zimmerman laid me off in a budget cut. And Rod loved me, and I love Rod. And uh, I felt better walking out of getting let go than I did when I walked in. He said, if this had anything to do with talent, you would not be in this chair. It would be somebody else. I don't want to get rid of you. And then the next morning, I get calls back-to-back. This is, again, pre-cell phone, regular answering machine. Back-to-back calls. I'd gone out and done something that morning from Dan Deardorff and Bob Costas saying the same thing. Randy, this has nothing to do with your talent level. You could do anything in the country. You could go to any market in the country and do what you do, and you'll be great if you want to do it. And you talk about a confidence boost. You've got the main analyst on Monday Night Football and the the best broadcaster in the business with back-to-back uh, voicemail saying you're great and as it turns out that night that I got laid off Jack went into Rod Zimmerman's office and laid down a sheet with his resignation yep I remember wow. yeah. I, I was there I remember and Rod wouldn't let him and you were hired though back yeah they brought me back a month later for a lot more money and exactly a lot more. it worked and, out and, pretty and well and the full-time sports open line gig yeah but man wow. that's to have at that point 1996 that was five years before Jack died uh, but, you know, he had done everything, and he thought that much of me that he was willing to, to do that for me. I remember the midnight sportscast with the big bumper. Yeah. Those were Those the best. Were the best, yeah. And I got a chance to – and Jim White was another huge booster of mine. And so Costas had done birthdays. How old is person Y, celebrity Y? And so Costas had done it for years. And Bob had moved to New York and done his stuff. So I got to go in and do that with, with the big bumper. And that, yeah. he was awesome. And he didn't care. You know, Mr. Highland wanted me to limit it, limit how much I did sportscast the time. Jim wanted me to go as long as I could. Yeah, he wanted you to <laughs> fill time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he was great, too. What was the best championship in town you've covered? You've got the Blues. you got yep. the Rams. you got World Series titles. Well, it's it, it, 
you know I'm a great guy. And so yeah. my favorite moments were the Rams because I was so invested. And that was another cool part of my career. I hated when they left. But I, I also, and this is another thing that you can do with a platform. So when we didn't get an expansion team, I went to the library, the county library, and I collected a bunch of material on what Jacksonville had tried to do to get the Houston Oilers to come there, on what Indianapolis had done to lure the Baltimore Colts to their city, and several others. Put together like a a 15 or 20-page packet, and I sent it to the mayor's office, the county executive's office. I sent it to Stan Kroenke, just everybody who was anybody that could help get a team. And basically my point was, to get the Rams, here's what you're going to have to do. And Al Kurth got a hold of it. Al Kurth was, and just Google Al Kurth, K-E-R-T-H. He was the guy that made things happen in town. And so St. Louis winds up getting the Rams. And granted, the deal wound up not being good because they were able to go back. One night at Enterprise Center, Al Kurth comes up to me, and I didn't even know that he had gotten this packet of information. He comes up to me and says, hey, I just want you to know that we probably would not have gotten the Rams if it wasn't for that packet you sent out to everybody. Wow. And then I got to volunteer with Fans Inc. and try to help sell tickets. So, so that was meaningful to me to get the Rams here. And so it was meaningful for me when they won the Super Bowl. That was cool. That, that playoff run, that whole season was one of the coolest things ever. But then obviously when the Blues, when you have to wait so long for the Blues to win, that was awesome. And one of the negatives for the Cardinals, and they get it, is that they win so much that it's almost expected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the first one was cool because I was an usher. I was on the field for every game of 82, including Game 7 of the World Series. And that was my the first one I really remember and was close to and was invested in. But I would say all of them. The, the, the Rams Super Bowl run, the Blues run to the Stanley Cup, and then especially for me, 82 for the Cardinals. All, all of those championships were incredible. What are you most proud of? Uh, you know what? Uh, J- Jeremy talked about it, and it's it doesn't really have anything to do with talking on the air. The pa- fact that I can, I- I've got you saying that you were a mentor to me. I've got Greg Amsinger saying you were a mentor to me. I've got Mike Caruso over with the Blues, uh, their their vice president, who did such a great job, who was a Randy Carricker intern, who uh, Jeremy Rutherford, who, who said what he said. Brooke, uh, th- and we weren't even working together, but knowing that you observed, and hopefully I... My, my work ethic and what I did, hopefully from a f- professional standpoint, had an effect on people. I, I'm most proud of the fact that people can say, you know what, Randy Carricker made me better. That's that, that's what I'm really proud of. The thing I'm proud of you is that you're kind. Mm-hmm. Now, you, yeah. when you're not throwing a card at me at KMOX. <laughs> those, are rare, those are rare moments. Yes. But you're kind, man. Yeah, you're you're just you. a good person. I, I, I appreciate that. And I try to be. I, and I always say this, if when I die... Somebody says, man, that Randy character, he was just too nice a guy. Then I will have done it right. Awesome. No. Congratulations, so, congratulations again. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, I hope that you'll all be at my table, and I'm going to yes. make the interview go super long so that we're all super tired the next day. Are you going to make everybody <laughs> say yo-ho? Yes, I yes. Randy is in. Yo-ho. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Thank you, though. Thank you for... Uh, Number one, uh, making the announcement on the air this morning, I, I am completely humbled. And, you know, it's the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame means more to me than anything. Sure. Because it's it's my town, right? Yeah. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm very proud of St. Louis. So that part of it is really cool. And then to be inducted into a Hall of Fame that has so many people who had such an influence on me, Dan Deardorff, Dick Vermeil. Uh, just so many incredible people that are in that Hall of Fame. Chris Carpenter, I, I've been able to interview Chris Carpenter going in and O.J. Anderson going in and 
last year, uh, Carolyn Kindle, who you know so well, and it's, it's an honor just to be in that group. Jason Isring, I was in who texted us. Uh, it's just really cool to be in a, in a group with those people. So thank you. You're the best. Appreciate that. Randy Carricker is headed to the St. Louis Sports Hall of Fame. Rock and roll is coming up next. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It is time for Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Matthew, what do you got for us? There was some news yesterday with St. Louis City SC. They have uh, announced a contract extension with head coach Bradley Carnell. This was the uh, quote from the release. We're thrilled to be able to extend Bradley's contract and keep him and his family here with us in St. Louis. His leadership helped us achieve record-breaking results on the pitch and quickly established City SC as a club serious about building a winning tradition for our fans. We look forward to our future with Bradley leading the squad, and that was from STL City's president and GM, Diego Gigliotti. Ooh, that's great news. It's great news. I, I'm a big fan of Bradley Carnell and the way that he's just really built things over there, invigorated the team. I know that there was some fans who were very upset, and rightfully so, with the early exit in the playoffs, but still at the same time, what he was able to accomplish in their first season and help them lead the way, I think that that's huge. I'm glad that they were able to get that done. And they fire their season up, preseason at least, uh, Rockets – what, coming up on February 8th? Does that sound right? Um, a preseason match? Yeah. Uh, I, I believe that is one of them. I believe they have one, though, coming up here. Um, against the LA Galaxy. Against, is, that, is that the one on the 8th? Uh, I might be screwing up the, the schedule. My apologies. Um, but yeah, they, they were in they were in Florida. They were supposed to have two friendlies in Florida. It only ended up being one because of a schedule switch. They came back here for this past week. They are now flying out to California tomorrow. And yes, they have a friendly against LA Galaxy. And I'm just blanking on the day of that one. All right. Well, um, we know it's coming up. The third is yeah, okay, what it's yeah, so, February third. So, okay. There is one also on the eighth because that was the plan. Two friendlies That's in Florida. Two, two friendlies in California. <laughs> but they have the first one on the third uh, in California, and then another one on the eighth. The uh, Galaxy are on the third. I'm blanking on the team on the eighth. My okay. But, what about the ones at home? That's what yeah. I'm. Um, I, I know that they were playing in California, but I couldn't remember when they're going to play in St. Louis. February twentieth. Yeah. Yes. Home 20th. game facing off against Houston in the first round of the Concacaf Champions Cup. They changed the name from the league to yeah. the cup or the cup to the league. I can't remember. I keep forgetting which one it is. Oh yeah, you're up. Okay, I, I just I, I have a question about friendlies. I'm, I'm wondering if Coach Edwards would like friendlies. There's nothing friendly about it. So, would Coach Coach Edwards like? Did he not coach preseason games? Yeah, but it wasn't friendly. Okay. <laughs> Should be nothing friendly about it. No, that's is that going to be open to the public? <laughs> I'm guessing that it won't, because typically but, the friendlies are not open to oh, the that's public. That's not good. Uh, no, you can stream the game on February 3rd against the LA Galaxy. You can stream that on the city app. Oh, good. Uh, the the one on the eight, excuse me on the seventh. My apologies, LAFC. Uh, they have is part of the Coachella Invitational. They also have their fifth and final, or was supposed to be their fifth and final, but is actually their fourth and final friendly, which will be against the New York Red Bulls, Bradley Carnell's former team, on February 10th. So three uh, friendlies be played in California over the next week plus. I think gotcha. one of the things about Bradley Carnell <clears throat> is that he understands that a lot of us are not soccer experts. I agree. And he's willing to explain things to us maybe that we 
don't know mm-hmm. because I'm certainly a novice at best from a soccer perspective, and I love how he explains things to me. Like do you understand too. them, yeah. though? I do. Okay, I, good. I have a greater appreciation for the sport than I had the, before Brooke, he don't became Don't you dare laugh at that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, no, it's uh, I do. Yeah, he, he explains things very well. By the way, just, just one little piece. Uh, Bradley Carnell was on Morning Footy, which is CBS uh, Sports's morning show that talks about soccer. He did an interview with them today, and one of the few th- quotes that I've seen come out of that is he talks about how their big challenge this year is evolving the system and figuring out how to break teams down in the final third. So if you're still angry about that loss to Kansas City, they're working on it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm angry. Are you over it, uh, Randy no, and Brooke? Not, I don't know if that's... I'm kind of like Patrick Mahomes losing that Super Bowl. That's that's the one I won't get over. Okay. Well, find a way. <laughs> I, I wonder if Kansas City's... Now that the, the Chiefs are back in the Super Bowl for the, what, third time in four years or whatever, I wonder if their fans are over the fact that they didn't win the MLS Cup. Hmm. Probably not. I bet certain fans are. <clears throat> I mean, those soccer fans are crazy, man. They In a good yeah. way. They love it. They're into it. They're fired up about it. And uh, I enjoy it. I'm glad they are. Me too. It's great to have them in town. Um, the 617 is saying on the text line that the preseason invitational, the Coachella invitational, is open to the public. I'm not 100% positive about the game against the LA Galaxy on the 3rd. But again, you can stream that on the City app. And then uh, the I did not see anything about streaming the game for the Coachella invitational. I'm guessing that being a larger brand of games that I'm guessing there's another deal around the ability to watch then that. Then do you get cool. to go to the festival too if you have tickets? I don't think so. I, I think oh. that's, I, I'm not sure exactly how closely they're tied Coachella. together. Speaking I've of never tickets. been a music festival guy so I don't know anything about Coachella to be honest. You've had a hell of a day. You got Eagles tickets too. <laughs> yeah. Is that I'm your so favorite jealous. band? Uh, in terms of bands, yes. Okay. Good. Yeah. I'm glad great. that you got those. Yeah. I'm, I'm bummed that uh, Glenn Fry passed away a few years ago. R.I.P. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, but his son is traveling with them, and uh, so is uh, the, the the former country guy, Vince Gill. Uh, and apparently they're fantastic. What is your favorite Eagles song? Uh, probably Hotel California. Mm, that scary. is a really good one. Yeah. I just it, I feel like that song transports you to paradise a little bit. Yeah. We can all agree they're talking about heroin, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, well, oopsies. Okay. Well, but After I just said that. <laughs> it's, not a bad, I'm it's not a bad song. We just talked about no. going to paradise, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's about heroin. Oopsies. No. Well, sorry. I mean, for a lot of people, uh, <laughs> that is paradise. Oh, no. 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 Yeah. Uh, great job today by our producer, audio video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocky. Thank you, sir. It was his favorite song. I thought the, man, the man's an aficionado. He just got into yeah. a Hall of Fame. I figure if, if anyone person. is going to tell me what exactly pink champagne is, Randy Carricker is going to know. Yeah. Such a lovely face. Mm-hmm. Pleasure. It's a good song. It's it a, is. And, and a great group. But they do, they're, they're fantastic. And who would have ever thought that Joe Walsh would outlive Glenn Fry? I mean, Joe, Joe Walsh's liver is pickled. Oh, my God. They would have thought you outlived all these guys, That's too. That's true. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, Brooke, did you have fun today? Yes. Watch your face. We want to see your face. Who's saying that? You want to see my face? Yeah. Danny, thank you, brother. Oh, you bet. Congratulations again, Randy. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, That is Danny Mack. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great Friday Eve, everyone. And now for something completely different. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.